right. taking a gamble by wearing the sweatshirt. Yeah, me too. I'm like, I'm cold now, but yeah, I might not stay cold. I know. It's a weird time of year. That's fine. It's we'll we'll transition to a different segment and then we'll both just not have outer layers. That's go. fine. The magic of media. I'm rocking the shorts underneath though. So at least I have some ventilation. Underneath? You know underneath the table. Oh, 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 oh. I thought you were yeah. like wearing pants with shorts <laughs> underneath. I'm like, oh, are you going to do yeah, that of course. too? Why not? You're going to do the old Adidas like always wear. <laughs> That's right, man. Tearaway pants. Oh, man. Those were. Those coming those, back? Man, those were a thing. I have. I definitely had them. I had one pair. I had like the standard black mm-hmm. Adidas pair. I used tearaway pants in a show choir routine that we did. You tore them away? I tore them away. With one one swoop? Yeah. They didn't get like caught on the bottom? No. That's talent. I've never actually tried. I had four costume changes in oh. one show. And it was literally like full tuxedo was like underneath. What? And then I had other things like on top of it. But you it's tear, like almost every song. Did you tear them away on stage? You go back, tear them away, come in. I tear. I tore it away off stage. Oh, okay. So like the first song, it was like an audition. And like everybody a, did that? Um, Some of us. So there's just like, like broken a, pants everywhere backstage? Oh, it's absolute chaos. <laughs> Because it's like, what happened here? It's pretty crazy. And there's like people to help, like there's change like, and stuff like there's that. There's like halves of pants. All 100%. Over. It is chaos <laughs> because it's all music. It's oh, all time. Man. So it's like with, with acting, like a, a theater, like a show, you got maybe a little bit of play yeah. and some of the timing, but not with like show choir routine. What, it's a, like, what a scene though. Like in what, a competition what a... and stuff like that, you got like... You're like, I got to run off stage. I got 10 seconds to change my outfit. People be coming with like stuff like hat right. on and they're like taking it off, trying to sing. And what what a, what an early 2000 scene though. Just like a backstage littered with half Adidas pants. <laughs> For sure. Like that's just. I'm sure it still happens. Oh, I bet they're man. still around. I have, anyway. not, I have not seen like, <laughs> like tear away Adidas pants in a department store. I haven't seen They're not in vogue. No, you can't get them. I have not thought about them in probably 15, maybe 20 years. Maybe we'll start seeing them now since it's on our radar now. I I have a clothing update on. Oh, okay. We'll save that that later. Oh, we'll actually go ahead and start this thing. Okay. Oh yeah. We're actually going to, there's going to be some clothing (laughs) updates at the beginning here. There will be. All right. Yeah. Welcome everybody to episode number 109 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I'm Brian Goulet. I'm Drew Brown. And we're here from the Goulet Pen Company to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to be talking about what it means when we say that a pen's nib is made by Yovo or Bach or whoever. What brand? What <clears throat> what pen brands that we wish there was more demand for them so that it made sense for us to offer them? We'll nuance that question when we get to it. Our favorite satisfying pen moments. Um, our favorite private reserve inks. And what if any pen content that we watch or listen to in our downtime? And then we'll be showing you an interview with our lead photographer, Glenn. So Glenn will be our spotlight today. Yes. Spotlighting yep. the Glenn pen. Yep. Uh, so it'll be a good one. I hope you'll enjoy it. Um, we'll go ahead and start it off with feedback. Okay, Brian. So just going to get out a bunch of information that was given to us by okay. our friends in pen right. world. Uh, right. A lot of great feedback that we asked for. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I talked about chapters and stuff in the podcast. I've right. got I got some great emails, and thank you for it because podcast listeners jumped into the comments in YouTube That's awesome. to give me that feedback. So thank you. That's so helpful. It's, There's not a great mechanism for feedback I know, for podcasts. I know, but uh, essentially Apple and Overcast, I'm told, do take advantage of the chapter markers okay. that I'm putting in. So I will continue to do that. So I mean, thank Apple's you for the big everybody. One. Apple and Spotify are probably the biggest ones. Yeah. You know. Yeah, Spotify definitely, definitely does it. But I've heard a lot yeah. of good things about Overcast, a lot of Overcast listeners there. Hmm. Okay. Um, and um, you'll be pleased to know that there was not a single person that said, yes, I see ads on your YouTube channel. That's cool. Not one. That's cool. There were a lot of wow. YouTube premium owners saying like, well, I don't, I don't see ads anyway, you know, so. Of course, A little bit of flex in there, but. Hey, you're paying for it. Even, even though the. I'm a YouTube uh, premium member too, so I get it. Yeah. Um, even the folks without YouTube premium say, nope, no ads here. And thank you for for it. But then some people were even like, I don't. But if you if if, if the money is going to you, then I would I would deal with it. I'm like, too nice, too nice. Wow. We're not going to do that. But thank you. I mean, when you add revenue share, we get like literally like fractions of a penny. It's yeah, it's not, it's not enough deal. to make it worth the inconvenience to you all. So I'm actually really encouraged to hear that you're not getting served up with ads anyway, yeah. which also tells me. It's probably just not that profitable for YouTube. They're like, oh, well, you better use these ads elsewhere. So. Yeah. Oh, well. So good cool. to know. Very good to know. Great. Also, we got a lot of people that wanted to mention that uh, you had your Twisbees mixed up. Did I mix them up? The Draco is the red one and the Aurora is the green one. You Did had I them. not say that? No, you said it the other way around. on it. That's fine. Y'all, I do that all the time. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. I knew that. And I, I read this and I was like... Okay, people commented on it because I must have said it wrong, but I know the Draco's red and the Aurora's green. I it would make sense, the Aurora being Yeah, it's like not Aurora, red. like Borealis. Yeah, yeah i sorry about yeah. that. I just mi- I do that a lot. I mix things up. Oh, yeah, and I just, same. Both of us will. Mistake. Both of us have done it and will continue to do it. In yeah. this episode, it's very likely that one of us will call a converter a cartridge. Oh, yeah. So um, also that little clicky Lamy nubbin uh, yep. that we called a nugget it is the Pico, the Pico. Lamy Pico. And I knew it was on the tip of your tongue. Yep. You had, yeah, you tipo almost had it. was the other one, but yeah. and it was like. Uh, we tipo just, and Pico. It's not on the top of my brain because we don't we don't really ever deal with it because it's a ballpoint. No. So it's like. I do like it a lot, though. It's a. It's a cool pen. Yeah. It's a cool pen. Um, all right. So those were like the, the information that we were so kindly provided mm-hmm. by our friends. Um, Arlen Goff wrote in and said, uh, in reference to, you know, a couple of potential stickers, what about a sticker pack? Perhaps six assorted Goulet stickers or six of the same style. Mm-hmm. Arlen Goff might be onto something there, well, Brian. That's an interesting idea. So perhaps like something with, you know, the turkey hammock, a pencast logo, mm-hmm. maybe a potential new, uh, mm-hmm. you know, quant. Quality is quant quantity is quality sticker something like that. That way that they could like they a, could get all of their very pen cast centric stickers all in know. one place. That would be amazing if something like that existed. Huh? How about that? Yeah. Anyway, hmm. um, okay. Paul Herman says for fun in reference to the G Shock conversation that we had. Yes. Uh, Casio also possibly made the most durable cell phone at one point, the G Zone Commando. Reports of them <laughs> dropping five stories with what? only light scratches. Yes, please Google that, Brian. The G Zone Commando. G Zone Commando. I've yeah. never heard of that. Neither had I, but I Googled it's an it. Epic sounding name. And though. I immediately was filled with sorrow and loss because nowadays every phone, whether you have a Droid or an iPhone, is just a black rectangle. You know, there's no personality to phones anymore. The G Zone Commando was from back in the wow, day. Wow, that yeah. thing looks cyber, cyber. That was back in the day when, when you had like the droid and the droid X and the droid this. Like, 
Okay. This was when smartphones were still like trying to be fun and cool and different looking. Like if you'd hold it in your hand, you'd be able to say, oh, you have the such and such. Why have I never heard? I mean, it's Android based. Yeah. I'm an iPhone guy. But like but... this, but, but in the early days, you hmm. know, there were these Android phones were so cool looking. There was a bunch of different ones. You could have the ones with the slide out keyboard and stuff like oh, that. they got one with a wood skin. Oh my God. That looks kind of weird, actually. But I just wanted to say, I miss when phones had like visible personalities to them. Now yeah. we just all we only care about screen. We just want to uh, we just want to hold the screen. Oh, we don't want the shattered screen, Drew. Oh no, Could the G yours. Zone. The Five dollars and twenty four cents on eBay. Oh, poor G Zone. <laughs> anyway, wow, Casio. Um, I want to say Casio also makes a synthesizer guitar. That sounds absolutely rad that I kind of want, even though I can't play either of them. synth guitar. Yeah. um, I don't recall what it is. I've I've been trying to make it. Yeah, there it is. What? I know. It is amazing. What? I've been wanting to buy one for my brother. Casio DG20. The DG20, yes. That looks insane. I want that so much. It sounds so cool. It's got like- That looks really cool. It's amazing. It's like an actual guitar. Kind of. It's got strings. It's got strings, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, Man, how have I never heard of any of this stuff, Drew? I, I didn't know about the G Zone Commando, but I definitely knew about the DG20. Wow. I've frequently tried to get my musician friends to buy them just so I can listen to it. But oh, they have a DG1, DG10. I might, I might need to buy it and just fail at it. But anyway, why don't you continue with uh, your section of the feedback? Man, this stuff is so much more fun than what I planned. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, this is from Myth. Oh, gosh. Mephistopheles. Mephistopheles. Okay. Drew, here are the different styles of hammer that I can think off the top of my oh, head. Oh, boy. Continuing with this. This has become a multi-pencast thread here. Yeah, we're not going to talk about pens at um, all during the... Framing, uh, demolition, tack, ball peen, straight peen, cross peen, drilling, French pattern blacksmith, Swedish pattern blacksmith, and sledge, all of which you can get in different weights. I could easily get to 40 hammers without duplicating anything. I probably have 20 as it is with the only duplications being basic framing hammers. And I followed this up because I actually Googled how many hammers <laughs> are there. I found a couple different articles in like upwards of 50, 55 different, different, not just sizes, but just different types of hammers. And uh, I'll go ahead and I'll, yeah, I'll link this in the description for you all to follow <laughs> if you want to look at Brian's list of 50 different types of hammers. It's a lot, it's a lot. And I do have an update. I didn't go pulling, like exhaustively searching through my entire property to find every hammer that I have, but I laid eyes on 33 different hammers that I have. Oh my god! And I know there's more that are like buried <laughs> under things on my workbenches that I need to clear off. And 33. Probably talk, yeah. Wow. It's a lot of different types of hammers. I have, cause some are for like stone work, brick work. Others that are for like, I have like a welding hammer. I've got, you know, there's like totally different like materials that they're made for. But I've got like soft like rubber mallets. I've got sledgehammers. I've got, you know, and I didn't even count like hatchets with a hammer head on it. I'm oh, right, like, right, right. Like more pure hammers. Um, yeah, I've got. Can they least, make a hammer that you like wear as a fist and you just punch the nail? <laughs> Probably. That's what I want. Yeah. I mean, but it would, somehow doesn't hurt your wrist. That would be the tricky part, wouldn't it? Um, it needs to be some sort of like steam powered, you know, punching glove. <laughs> wasn't. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm I going want. back to 90s nostalgia here, Drew. Oh boy, uh, I'm I'm fuzzy on this memory, but I'm recalling some sort of fighting shark group. 
Are you talking about the street sharks? Street Brian? sharks. I believe one of them was called Hammerhead, and he literally had a hammer as a head. No, there was and no would, actual like, Hammerhead. No, no. The Am I making uh, that up? the Hammerhead might have been named um, Slamu. I believe there was uh, Blades. Or no, uh, yeah, Blades. I think was the one with the roller blades. Uh, Slamu. Oh, there yeah, was just like regular shark. Rip, rip, ripper, or rip or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, they were freaking rad, man. Hmm. Street sharks. Yeah, I haven't thought about this in forever. It just yeah. popped into my head. But no, um, wow. no actual hammers. No, I'm, there's some kind of shark out there, some kind of cartoon shark that had like a An actual hammer, like you know, carpenter's sounds, that hammer. Sounds familiar. Like a, yeah, I don't really know where he was from, but I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up. Anyway, I'm sure it's been done multiple times. It probably. Um, okay, what else? What are you talking about? Oh, more um, hammer stuff. Rojo 125. Maybe it's time for a hammer spotlight. It might be. I need to like. It would last too long. I need to. It would last a while. I would need to like gather them all up and like at least take pictures of them because right now they're they're pretty scattered about the place about my my place. How many hammers? If I asked Rachel how many hammers do you think Brian has, what would she say? Do you think she thinks you have like five, or do you think she thinks you have like twenty thousand? She would probably guess that I have a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna ask her later. I have a couple like stowed away in the house. She's probably gone. Right. Did she leave for the day? Um. She might. Mm, she might be leaving soon. She might still be here. I'm going to text I'm her. I'm going to slack her right now. Okay. How many hammers do you think Brian has? Um, okay. And then Lynn, Lynn, Lynn Deer JC says, I have a hooded puffy vest. It's totally a thing. So this is, we were talking about clothing. And you, and you, jo- you halfway I jokingly said like, the optimal. Of, the most essential, yeah. like cold weather clothing. The most minimalist cold weather clothing would be a vest with a hoodie. Um, turns out my daughter has a puffy vest with a hoodie and she wore it like later that day. And oh. I was like, what? Ah! A lot of people said, I absolutely have a vest with a hood and it's amazing. That's great. I think I'm just, I haven't experienced enough of life. Clearly I think you need one. I don't know about synthesizer guitars <laughs> and G-Shock phones <laughs> and street sharks and hooded puffy vests, but I do have a lot of hammers so that I'm not missing out on. <laughs> no, you're good on that. All right, that's all we got for feedback. Thank you all. You're making this a lot of fun. Uh, But we do have some new stuff to talk about, so let's do that. All right, some new stuff. We have a new book from Michael Saul, Master Penman. So he has a book that we've been selling for a couple of years. A lot of you all might have it, uh, called The Art of Cursive Penmanship. And I continue to say it is like such a good value for the money. It's like 20 bucks. It's got practice sheets in there. You get tons of great tips and bits of information. It's got history of handwriting and how some of it came to be. It honestly is a great resource and he's such a good guy too. Um, So he wrote a follow-up book basically. That's, uh, what is the exact name of it? I can't remember, but it's like advanced writing The art of advanced cursive penmanship or something like that? It's something like that. It's it's the the 2.0. It's a follow-up version of if basically if you've mastered your art of cursive penmanship and want more more complicated stuff if you're like kind of edging towards calligraphy so it's got more techniques of spencerian some flourishing um some doing more complicated stuff talking about negative spacing so a little bit more into kind of edging into the artistic realm of um fancy writing uh so that we've got that i think it's 26 dollars we were supposed to get it in today as definitely no more than that yeah we were supposed to get in today as we're filming i I think it's delayed till tomorrow. So we should have it by the time, we should have it for sale by the time this pencast goes out, but I have not yet laid eyes on the actual book. So we'll have to cover that 
we meant to podcast. yeah we wanted to but it just didn't arrive in time so um but souls we'll manual of advanced penmanship there you go yeah so i would i mean he definitely knows his advanced penmanship so i would anticipate that he is an advanced penman it will be the best resource for you know people like us you know people who are not like going through calligraphy school uh it'll probably be the best resource out there for getting this next best stuff. thing i would anticipate it um so anyway check that out um and then we'll probably show it in a future podcast or something. Um, we also have a new Namiki Emperor called the White Rabbit. Yeah, we do. This thing blew my freaking mind when I looked at it. We this saw is, it today. It's an anniversary pen. So technically it's under Pilot, but Pilot Namiki, it's the same company. Normally they brand all their Yurushi stuff as Namiki but technically this one is called Pilot. So don't be confused. They did this five years ago when they had the 100th anniversary stuff. They branded it all under Pilot. That's so, right. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like that. But I don't know. It kind of makes it more special, actually. But it's essentially a Namiki Emperor. Um, flat top. This thing looks crazy. It's so three-dimensional. It's got so many layers built up. The entire pen is covered in, you know, Togodashi and Takamaki. It's like there's rotten. There's, it's got everything kind of in there um it looks amazing and it's twelve thousand dollars and it looks like it deserves every bit of that um which is in the nib so it's a huge nib biggest gold nib i think in existence and uh it's the pilot number 50 nib and it's a special 105th anniversary engraved pilot nib on it too which is also pretty cool it's got a little heart in the cut out of the breather hole um but the pen looks amazing oh it's got a heart so, yeah it's got i didn't a little notice heart that when there. i looked at it normally yeah, they do the I oval on that yeah no it's oh, a heart so it's cool. like really a special nib which is kind of cool so you know there's not gonna i think there's a hundred of them they're all numbered um so you know i think it's definitely worth trying to show one off if we can uh, in the future i can't today because they're photographing it but um yeah Super red pen. Go look at it. It's gorgeous. Anyway, um, on to something a little more affordable. We have a new Edison pen. The Edison Comet in Cobalt Magma. Uh, this is a chunky fleck pen, Drew. It Since is chunky. A chunky fleck fan. I love it. Red and blue chunks happening. Um, so 149 for this steel nib, extra fine, fine and medium. If you like Edison, this is an Edison. And you will like it because it's Edison. Anyway, we got it. That's all I got. What about you, Drew? Um, these kind of, you know, snuck by us a little bit, but yeah. the Sailor Dipton mm-hmm. pens and yeah. the Sailor Dipton inks. These are a, it's a new endeavor for Sailor in the U.S. at least, mm-hmm. where Sailor is providing the market with dip pens. So they are plastic barrel pens with a little plastic um, kind of uh, housing, housing unit. Yeah, I guess. And the nib attached to the housing unit can be stored in the empty pen barrel and then flipped, inverted, and reinserted into the pen barrel to begin writing. And it is a dip pen. It looks like it might be able to be filled. It can't be. I mean, it. you could fill it, but it's not going to work. No, our team tried um, to eyedropper fill it. No, it's And dri- it leaked everywhere. Chaos. It, you is don't not, do it. it is not airtight. <laughs> so it is a dip pen, and it is a Fude dip pen, meaning mm-hmm. it has a Fude nib that is significantly upturned. Yeah. So you write with it uh, with the widest point of the curve you know, facing the paper, and it gives you a very, very wide stroke. Mm-hmm. So you get to kind of really play and put down a lot of your ink, which in this case very well may be the Dipton ink. 
So each of these pens, for now at least, comes with a 10 mil bottle of a corresponding ink. So mm-hmm. uh, the uh, we've got Ice Dance, which is a blue ink with shimmer, Coral Humming, which is a coral ink with shimmer, and Mellow Forest, which is green. All three are shimmer inks. And if you have been following Sailor Ink, you'll know that they don't really do the whole shimmer thing. This is a first for them in the U.S. So um, they are recommending that these inks solely be used with the Dipton dip pens. It's all over the bottle. Um, we're going to put that on our website as mm-hmm. well. Yep. I will say that we have tested some of these in other pens just to make sure that if for some reason they do get put into conventional fountain pens, they don't do any damage because we we knew that that was going to happen. We don't want to make sure that they're not actually going to harm your pen. We have not found them to be harmful, but we are going to obviously... They have some, they have some pretty strong language about not using it, but we will we've, we found them as, to be as authorized dealers we will say the language that they are also saying but because we are agents of chaos we wanted to see what would happen if you did to put it in other things we found them comparable in performance not, yeah. and viscosity to other shimmering inks that are currently on the market so we'll just say but that use at your own risk certainly but there's nothing in it that from what we can tell that is abnormal from any other shimmering ink that is correct. In terms of how it reacts with your pen. But I think they just wanted to make sure that they didn't have any warranty issues with any of their pens by having shimmering ink in it, that kind of a thing. So yep. you are informed and you can make whatever decision that you feel is best for you with I, all of the knowledge that you have now. That you can. But and some pretty cool looking ink though. Yeah, very say. cool looking ink. Good looking ink. The pens are fun, easy to use, and they clean really well they, as well. They look like, and you pointed this out to me, I was like, this looks so familiar. It looks like, remember those like clear pencils that had the like replaceable lead tip that you would like shove into the back of the pen and it would just be loaded up with like 10 different tips so that you didn't have to sharpen or anything. You could just like shove it in the back. It looks so much like that. It looks like it should just have like a bunch of nibs inside the pen. You can just like shove it down. Because it's clear, but with a little bit of sparkle embedded yeah, into, the, it's into fun. the plastic. Very like 90s nostalgia to me. Yeah. Um, the Dipton pen and ink sets, which again include a 10 mil bottle, uh, are $29. So very affordable there. If mm-hmm. you wanted to get a larger version of that ink in the 20 mil size, you could get that for $24. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, pretty good prices there. And that does it for new stuff, Brian. Cool. We'll move it right along then. Cause we got some pretty decent questions today. Okay, um, this is a pretty lengthy this question. I'm going to probably paraphrase as best I can here, but we've got a question from Merck4279 who has a question about nib manufacturing. Specifically, mm-hmm. when we say that a company uses Yovo or Bach nibs, what do we mean? Mm. Is it to say that Yovo makes generic nibs and then simply, and simply brands them to other companies? So when we say... Yovo and this company, they're mm-hmm. basically the same nib, but maybe mm-hmm. tuned differently? Okay. Or is it that companies more or less rent out the nib manufacturing power mm-hmm. of Yovo and Bach and make their own to their own specifications? Mm-hmm. OEM is what that's known as. Yeah. Right. Or is it a mix of both? In this case, you know, I think it's pretty important to distinguish between companies that used tuned generic nibs and those that have them made to spec. Mm. Well, the answer is all of the above. They can do whatever. So, you know, this is, this is pretty much the case with most manufacturers. You know, um, they're capable of making things. If they are trying to service a number of different, call them clients, you know, different people who would buy their product, um, usually they'll have what's called white label. 
Uh, I'm speaking more broadly here, but this is the case with with Bach and Yovo as well. Um, you have something what's called white label, which is basically they make kind of a stock product and you are branding it your own. So this happens all the time. It happens with clothing. It happens with electronics. It happens with tools. It happens with you name it. You know, um, a lot Some of, of your favorite be, brands might be OEM brands. Oh, yeah. Like power tools. This is really, really common. There's like two or three major manufacturers that make basically all the power tools out there. So maybe Black & Decker is not so, as bad as people say it is. Well, we could nuance that all day long. And I'll, I'll stick to nibs here. <laughs> I'm trying to go deep dive, not like... <laughs> you know, uh, marry on a trench deep. I will, I will but, try to not um, make it worse. And, and keep in mind, I, I, have don't, I don't have like specific contacts with the higher ups at Yovo. Most of this is from what I know from people that I know that work with Yovo and from our own dealings because we buy Yovo nibs. Um, so I don't know all the inner workings. Um, so just take that for, with a grain of salt. Um, but I know that they do make stock nibs that they offer that you can brand your own or you can just buy blank ones and just sell them as whatever which is what we do because yeah that's what we do so they have stock ones and that's actually what a lot of different a lot of different you know mostly smaller companies will do because when you think about what it takes to make nibs it requires a huge investment of equipment skills and you got to make i mean the economies of scale on making nibs you got to make millions and millions of nibs to have anything near affordable. So they make a ton of them and offer pretty much a stock offering of nibs um, available to whomever they can get it branded and you know be happy to get a and, really good product that they these, couldn't get otherwise. And these are not tuned to any sort of specifications. These are just stock Not nib, any custom specifications. Not, yeah. not done by Yovo anyway. Yeah. If someone gets them and then chooses to tune them once they, they buy them from that. Yovo, of course they can they do, can do that. that. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. Um, so, you know, they definitely have stock nibs. That's essentially what we do with our Goulet nibs. We buy them from Yovo, essentially stock. You know, we may tweak or adjust things here and there as we want, but it's nothing that drastic from what you would get from pretty much anybody else that also offers those stock nibs. And sort of a giveaway that you can see, generally speaking here, of who has the stock nibs is if they are laser engraved with a logo instead of stamped. Now, that may or may not be the case across the board, but that is sort of a giveaway because you can laser engrave your logo like we do with our GPC logo. You can do that after you have the nib instead of having to manufacture a whole new mold and then have it integrated into the actual creation of the nib. That's what you have to do when it's stamped. That's much more involved and it requires a significant, significant investment to do that. So you got to be selling some buku volume to have that make sense. So, you know, they offer a wide variety of nibs to independent makers. Um, they don't sell them like individually to the public, um, but you have to essentially go through a more or less a distributor of sorts. Um, and then you have to buy them in some quantity of bulk to then offer them. That's what we do. Um, and others as well. Um, so you see that certain... Um, Certain brands that have this, um, so Argule Nibs, Franklin Kristoff, Edison, Opus 88, Delta, Esterbrook, Natuno, Penlux, Retro 51, and Shown Design. I think are all using, I think those are all Yovo, um, essentially kind of stock mm -hmm. nibs. That and you'll see that other on. retailers will have their logo stamped on there as well. Sure, yeah, because you can, you can do that. And Bach has their own equivalent of that. Um, so yes, there is a distinction between like Bach made, Yovo made, and they are genuinely Bach, Yovo made nibs. So in my mind, like boxes, or, or sorry, the, the Yovo or Bach is making really good 
quality nibs. And it's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're not getting necessarily a unique nib experience from one manufacturer to the other if they're both using that same kind of stock nib, but you know you're getting a good nib, right? Because if you're going with a in-house made nib, it's, it's a little bit more of a gamble. It could be more variable, but you could also, you don't necessarily know what you're getting. Um, but anyway, so Yovo also makes nibs to spec. Um, so they, that can open up the door quite a bit in terms of what it could be. Um, but I believe that most of the brands having Yovo make their nibs for them specifically, these are like the stamped ones that are, call it slightly more custom, uh, Monteverde and Conklin. Mm-hmm. They're pretty public about that. So mm-hmm. Yeah, Montegrappa as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one unique thing that Montegrappa does is they actually have their steel nibs plated in rhodium. Even though it's the same color, it just looks a little bit more brilliant. So much more brilliant. It a looks, ton more brilliant. It looks really good. And that's, I love it. And it costs more for them to do that. I don't care. part of the cost. I love um, it. Diplomat also has that. They've got stamp nibs as well. Maybe some others. When you start to get into these like custom sort of hybrid things, it may or may not be disclosed who's actually making the nibs. Um, some companies are cool promoting that, and it's mm. kind of a selling point because people know about it. Others, they want to keep it more close to the best, and that's okay. It's not that they're being deceitful or anything, but it's just, you know, that it's, it's a little more of a trade secret, if you will. Yeah, and at that point, Yovo isn't making Yovo nibs. They're making someone else's nibs, essentially. Yeah, so it's like- Well, they're still Yovo nibs, but the Yovo nibs, like we promote Yovo nibs, it's sort of both. It's saying like, yes, Yovo made this. They're really good at making nibs. Therefore, you can assume they're going to be a certain quality. But also when you get into some of these more hybrid sort of custom things, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the same or comparable to the stock Yovo nibs. Yeah, like because really nib might be. what Yovo does, like their stock nib is made for a specific curvature, a specific feed and housing unit. Mm-hmm. And when they start manufacturing nibs that are going to other nib units that they might not, you know, have as much of a familiarity with, they're just making what they've been given the specs to. Right. You know, how it ends up performing in that pen with that other grip section and that other nib uh, feed housing unit you know that's not really up to them it's less mm-hmm. less of a kind of uh kind of all inclusive yovo situation well and that that's a great point too that i wanted to bring up is you have the nib itself but then the feed the housing and the other components of the pen's design can not so much affect necessarily how the nib writes though it can a little bit um but it affects the flow so in terms of you know ink flow and burping and like things like that a lot of that is going to be outside of Yovo's hands. Yeah. You know, it's going to be really up to the pen, the pen designer and the other components that make it, not just the nib. So you do get more variables that get in there, even if it's a Bach or Yovo nib, there are those elements. But in Which terms of Which makes sense like, about why you mentioned sometimes when that occurs, you don't have that brand saying like, yeah, Yovo makes our nibs. Like, because it's it's... It gets really gray. Yeah, because that could mean a lot of things to different people. Yeah. But I I feel like you know, in the last decade or so, you know, it used to be like Bach was the king and Yovo was the smaller one. Now it feels like, I think, I think Bach is doing a lot of OEM. They don't do, I can't imagine that they do as much of the, you know, kind of the, 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 you know, like the, like the Goulet nibs like yeah. we have. The stock they've, nibs. they've had, they've had a harder time stocking stuff yeah. from what we've known. Cause we used to work with like Keras Customs. They used Bach 
and they had nib issue, you know, stock issues and stuff like that using Bach. Um, it kind of ebbs and flows and it depends on, you know, they kind of go back and forth a little bit in terms of who's making more and all that kind of stuff. Yovo definitely it's, seems to be more popular now, but again, it does, but that could there's, shift. That but, could shift, and also you know, we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. You know, we, yeah. not every is, brand is super transparent about who makes their nibs. Yeah. It's very much a trade secret into how these nibs are made, but I can say from having seen how other nibs are made at places like Lamy and Platinum and Aurora, um, it requires so much investment and so much specialized equipment. So if you were to go with an OEM manufacturer- What does OEM like, stand for also? Uh, original equipment manufacturer, manufacturer or something, something like, like okay. that. I could be that wrong about right. that, but it's basically like, you know, if I wanted to sell a t-shirt, I would go to somebody that makes t-shirts and I would brand it my own. I'm not making them, I'm having it made OEM. So, you know, a lot of manufacturing companies, it's all about volume and keeping your operation going because that's where your efficiency comes from is by being busy all the time. So they will have their, maybe their own brand of stuff, but then they'll also make things so that they can just keep their production running because that's how they stay in business. Um, so that's the case with Nibs too. Um, so it's likely that there are brands that are using Yovo that we don't even know about um, and they don't publicize. But in terms of the equipment and stuff that they use, it's not just like, oh, they can just custom make whatever type of nib they want. You're talking about die presses. You're talking about molds that are like metal forming. Like some of these molds that it can cost might be $50,000 invested on each nib size. Like it gets crazy, especially if they're stamped because that's a custom mold for every single thing. So it gets real expensive, real fast, especially if you're talking about gold nibs. Or so, if you're talking about yeah. something like Conklin is doing with the very tr trademark breather hole. Right. Like that, That's I custom. cannot imagine. Well, they had to design a die that cut that out and all that. Man. So, and then it's additional time and additional like waste that they might have in that design and developing that R&D costs. So there's a huge investment whenever you do anything custom. Now, if you're doing that through a manufacturer like Bach or Yobo, you're going to be paying them for all that, but they have the expertise and the knowledge to know even if you're dreaming of design stuff to know like what's practical, what can they do, what materials to use, you know, so you have more of a partner in that, but it's going to cost a lot to do that. If you're doing it in-house, you can do whatever you want, but you got to figure it all out. And I can say from seeing a bunch of different manufacturers, there's no like stock equipment that you can get for doing any of this kind of stuff. It's all stuff that's either like from the 40s and 50s, or it's stuff that has like been adapted from other industries, like maybe automotive or different types of like custom machining and stuff like that, that they end up to like machine their own parts for the machines that they use to make the nibs for these other things. It's just, it's a really... It's a really fascinating kind of side. Or of they just straight depends. up build their own equipment from scratch. Yeah, it's crazy. And you're talking like millions and millions of dollars invested. So while the idea of like, oh, why doesn't every manufacturer just like make their own nibs in house? It is not practical to do that for most pen companies. The ones that have been around for like 50, 100 years. Okay, maybe they probably didn't have a choice but to make their own nibs back in the day and have just kept doing it. But can you... I'm just asking myself this question and maybe you too, Drew. Can you think of any pen maker that is making their own nibs that's like started in the last 30, 40 years? Most of them that I can think that make their own nibs have been doing it since the 50s or earlier. It's, I, there are a couple that I might not know how old they are. It's pretty rare. It's not not most of the major brands that I can think of. Um, so, But anyway, so... 
if you think about like, you know, Pilot, Sailor, Aurora, you know, Pelican, these brands that make their own, they've been doing it for decades. I guess, I guess one of the most notable ones that are, that is a new, new brand would be Magna Carta. Yeah, true, true. Like that, that's pretty, that's, that's like the newest probably, one I can think of. That's probably the most notable thing about that brand yeah. is the fact that they make their own nibs and feeds that's a good in point. house for that's such a, for they're such not a, like a, they're like a widely known brand. No, for such a small brand, yeah. like that's, 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 yeah. that's their kind of claim to fame. They've got yeah. interesting pens, of course, but you mm-hmm. know, the nibs and the feeds are the yeah. big talking point. Great point. Yeah. It making nibs is very tough and making new good nibs ones <laughs> that are, that are different than everyone else's. Yeah. It's way harder than you think. So, uh, you know, I know it's like exciting and new, like, oh, I want new different nibs. Oh my gosh, it is so much harder than you would think to do that and expensive, especially if you're talking about a new style, especially if you're talking about gold, it gets kind of crazy. So anyway, I just have more and more respect for just even decent nibs, let alone great nibs of just how hard it is to do that. So um, yeah, don't be like, oh, another Yovo, like, you don't understand how hard it is to make just another good Yovo nib. Like it's really, really hard. I mean, well, think about, you know, we don't need to get super into it, but I think it's pretty common knowledge that Visconti has gone between Mm -hmm. several different versions of nibs, several different versions of nib manufacturers, including making their own. Mm -hmm. And they're still working on it. Yeah. That's a good example of like a custom one. So like, this is pretty public knowledge that they, with their palladium nib that they had years ago, Bach was making those. And Panida right now uses Bach for their that's right. nibs as well. So that's something like using Panida or the older Visconti. That was a custom thing that nobody else offered, but there was a lot of R and D, yeah. and you know it was their own thing. I'm sure it was pretty expensive to get those too because they were they don't get the economies of scale because they're the only company doing it. So you know it can be done. And they've gone back and forth, like you know Bach, Visconti, Bach, Visconti. Like they're trying to get it right, but it's not easy. It's tough. It's so it's easy. Tough. Yeah. There's, there's only there's only like a handful of nib makers that offer. Like I mean, there's there's companies that make their own nibs for their own pens, but. I, I don't think most of them are making nibs for anyone else. There's only a couple, like a handful of nib manufacturers that make pens or that make nibs that other companies can use. So you kind of don't have a lot of choice. And I don't want to sound like a broken record, but when they got those steel Bach nibs on the Mirage Mythos over at Visconti, they wrote great. Mm-hmm. And that made me real happy. Yeah. I'm like, so like yeah. sometimes going with Bach or Yovo is the best way to go. It's definitely you get consistency, yeah, because they make a ton of nibs mm-hmm. and they got a lot of experience doing it. Anyway, a little bit behind the curtain there. Hope that was interesting enough. Um, but yeah, okay. I got a question for you, Drew. Yeah, from Daxon Flux. I've noticed you guys talk mostly about the brands your company carries. I know you carry what your customers are more likely to buy. We should if we want to be a good business. Is there a pen? We only carry things that people don't want. Um, is there a pen model or brand that you wish was more popular with your clientele? Oh, that's a fancy word. Uh, so that you could carry it. Yeah, yeah, huh? that's interesting. Because, yeah, we have asked, like, what's one of your, what do you wish you could carry? Like a brand sure. that you want to carry or a pen that you want to carry that we yeah. couldn't get? Sure. But this is interesting because it's like, what do you wish people liked more? Because we have had things that yeah. we've carried that we've liked that we don't keep carrying because yeah. just nobody buys it. The first thing that popped into my mind, because I've been talking about this recently, I did the video on like the best looking nibs and yeah. it got, got in my mind, Tibaldi. Yeah, um, I had that on my list that, too. That yeah. is, 
one of the most consistently high quality Italian brands, mm-hmm. if not the most. And they make their own feeds, like ebonite feeds on every pen at an affordable price point, you know, compared to other Italian pens that have ebonite yeah. feeds on them. Um, they're, still, they're still pricey pens. They're not bargain pens. They are. They're but, not bargain, but you know, they just didn't. They just didn't land with our customers, and they're they're on their way out. We've got like two pens from theirs, and they are amazing. By the way, the Bononia LEs. They're they really look good. Incredible. Build quality. They They've write got, well. Oh my gosh, they're so good. And I've had no complaints with them, and we didn't get. They're just kind of unknown. I don't think we got any returns on them. Like yeah, yeah. they just they just didn't. We just kind of got nothing. We got no yeah, feedback. No we feedback. got no interest. It's just. And that, yeah, that made me sad because like of all the Italian pens out there, here's one that's just like saying, hey, these are consistent quality. They look good. We're doing it all in house. Like what? But they just didn't, they didn't land. And that that made me. Well, to be fair, I think they, they were pretty quiet for a while. Yeah. And they're working with Yaffa trying to get their brand out there a little bit more. Um, I just, it just takes a long time to get it. I mean, look at a company like DuPont, like they were big. Over a decade ago. Oh, that's another one. They had, yeah, that's another. That's that's another good one. Yeah, I I do wish, you know, there's not like a specific like DuPont pen I wish we could carry or. Well, there's stuff that we carry that I think should be more popular. That's it. Yeah, Yeah. there's stuff that I think should be more popular. Like that, do you remember, I think you have one. When we first started carrying DuPont, there was this brown lacquered Mm -hmm. pen. Oh, yeah. God, it looks good. Yeah. That's a good looking pen. And we discontinued yeah. it because nobody was buying it. Yeah. And it's a crime. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes me sad. And <laughs> then um, in, in addition, for as long as we're on Italian companies that have consistent nib quality and make their own feeds, I'll mention Aurora. Yeah. Um, our Aurora offering has shrunk to nothing. And <sighs> it's just shocking to me because they make good stuff. Uh, they do. The... You know, on one hand, you know, I don't know how targeted the U.S. market is for them. On the other hand, I don't think that there's a ton of demand for what is targeted toward the U.S. So mm-hmm. uh, like um, uh, Dax and Flux said, we do carry what gets bought. And if things aren't getting purchased, we're going to continue to scale back and scale back. And then, you know, eventually it scales back so much that it disappears. And that's mm-hmm. where Aurora is. Yeah. And We've been to their factory. We know they make good stuff. Yeah. We've seen their feeds being made. We've seen their nibs being made. We've seen the care that they take in the manufacturing and uh, even made a video of it. And yet still, even since then, it's just we've, we haven't seen any additional peaks. Uh, it's yeah. just been a consistent, very slow uh, decline, unfortunately. What has been tough with theirs, they make great pens, but they only really have a couple of models. Yeah, they don't come out with a ton of new stuff. So they came out with like a lot of color variations of the same models, yeah. and they were like 500 plus, yeah. 500 to 1,000 for each one. Yeah. So it's like, it kind of narrows a little bit it what does. the offering is. You it can't does. really like ease into Aurora. You kind of have to dive in head first, you know yeah. what I mean? And that's risky, especially for an online seller. It is. But I would imagine make- it probably sells better in like brick and mortar stores or people that like actually get the like maybe shows or something like that where people get them in their hands and they see like oh this is a really nice pen yeah but we just we kind of just got like lackluster we would always sell like a few for the people that like were diehard aurora fans and knew that they liked them but even that's kind of quieted but even then we'd get excited about some but like there's just there'd be a special edition we'd be like oh this one this one's gonna do well and then we would have some that would pop every now and then every now and then yeah Yeah. just you know so yeah i'd put aurora and tibaldi in there as far as my brands i wish were more popular so Mm -hmm. we could carry more and then as far as actual models, one of the first ones that come to mind is the Visconti Divina. 
That pen, yeah. you and I have always loved that pen. I love that. We yeah. think the Devine is great. It's a yeah. beautiful pen. You, I know, are just particularly enamored with its manufacturing the and the complexity is, of yeah, the engineering. It's, it's a very complex. It's a very complex pen that's hard to manufacture. Yeah. That I know that most people won't really appreciate yeah. how hard it is to make. But and especially okay. the ones with the inlaid sterling, like those are the ones that really just blow me away. Yeah. Uh, but yet. Even when they've been available, they haven't really found a landing zone uh, comparable to the Homo sapiens, not even close. No. So that's a bit of a shame because I, that it's one of They're the cool. most unique pens yeah. out there. One of the most beautiful, like it, it's in my opinion, the price is justified because I know mm -hmm. what goes into making that pen. Yeah. And I think people often forget also how small of an operation Visconti is. It is not a manufacturer. Giant manufacturing they facility. A, they don't have a factory. No, it's they a villa. Like, yeah, they have like little houses that they make yeah, the things in, basically. So for 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 that scale of you know operation to produce something like the Davina, like I, I find just yeah. yeah, it's very impressive. So yeah. I wish that it's one was one. more popular. My biggest one though, the model that I wish was more popular above all else, is the Edison Ascent. Mm. Uh, that is my favorite Edison model ever. It was or is an exclusive model to the Goulet Pen Company. That pen is just the perfect size for me. It's a little small. I will I will give it that. But it's it's not obtrusive. It's not quite pocket pen, but it is a smaller pen, which which I think has a place. I, I appreciate it. The uh, grip section is fantastic. It has a nice solid stop, so your fingers don't travel, and the cap posts significantly deep onto the barrel, which you is- love a deep I You love a deep love post. love a deep post. We're going to get more into that later. Um, <laughs> and it almost covers like, I want I want my cap to cover like half the barrel. I freaking love that. I love it so much. The Ascent, I, I have one. I love it. I just yeah. wish, I want more people to experience that joy. And unfortunately, mm. they just, uh, they, they didn't want it. Yeah. And it's funny because like- We they got, voted with their dollars and that answer was no. We do talk about that a lot around here. Like as a retailer, you know, we- we are a for-profit organization. So it's like, we're not just going to sell stuff because we like it. It has to make sense and y'all have to want it. So ultimately you all decide everything that we carry here. And like you said, you vote with your dollars. Yeah. So it does matter. Um, but my notes, um, it's not always just because of a lack of demand that we might not offer something. It could be a number of things. It could be pricing. It could be stock issues, QC, other logistics and stuff that we haven't carried. So, you know, I, we could get all into that, but we're going to keep it just to like the demand and kind of popularity things. Um, so I have several. I agree with everything you said, and I have some duplicates, but I have some others. Um, Retro 51, the fountain pens. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we've, we've carried some. They've got a ton it, of fountain They've pens. never like blown it out of the water. We've done well with some exclusives, but, you know, it's one that like it's a great company and the designs are awesome. Unlike anything else. But as a fountain pen, like the rollerballs, this is the only company by far that we've done better with rollerballs than fountain pens. By which far. Which is completely backwards yeah. from everything else we do. Wild. Um, so that's one. But we are testing the waters again. We heard that they're, you know, they've changed some stuff like on the inner cap to help it seal better and stuff like that. So we're easing back into it. So if you haven't give re given retro fountain pens a look in a while, maybe... Maybe just think about it. We've got the B. Um, I got some that we get asked about all the time. Honestly, I would like to carry these just so we could have people stop asking why we don't carry them. Waterman, Parker, Parker. Cross, throw Schaefer in the mix too. No one asked for Schaefer. No one asked for them, but 
you can put all of these into the iconic American founded companies and the fountain pen like history that really just are not what they used to be. Yeah. Um, not that the pens are bad, but they're just very, I'll call them corporate. They're very just sterile in terms of what they offer from what you would want to see from like other pen makers. When you look at brands like Twisby and Banu and even Lamy Pilot, you know, all that. They've them, got personality. They've got interesting things, but then you look at, you know, some of the offerings from some of these others and you're just like, okay. What's, like what's your deal? You know? Yeah. It feels like I'm shopping for an appliance instead of buying like, oh, a passionate, yeah. you know, it's got yeah. kind of that, that like, well, I guess I got to buy something. So I'll get this, yeah. you know, it's got that kind of vibe to some of these brands. Um, but I know that's not their history. And I know, I know the pens are, are decent, but they're just not very exciting. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, also most of those brands tend to be owned by like conglomerate private equity and they've bought and sold and stuff like that. I think that matters because it's easy to lose kind of your spirit when you, sh- you change ownership hands yeah. like that. Kind of like a Sony TV, like, like hmm. Sony's like a very popular brand. You're going to hmm. be like, Oh, Sony, this is good. I, I'm, it's super notable, but like, it's not really anybody's favorite hmm. brand. Interesting. It's fine. Okay. Or maybe yeah. a tool brand like DeWalt. Like that. That's like a very popular, like notable tool brand. Well, but, you, like you mentioned, Black and Decker. Yeah, that falls into that. Well, that's not like no one's like, oh, Black and Decker. That's a good brand. But like, but it was like a much more iconic brand or Craftsman. Yeah. Like Sears, like Craftsman brand. Craftsman's like it's a legacy kind brand. Of, I mean, I don't know. I have some Craftsman tools, and they're yeah. de- they're decent. But, but like, I think Craftsman's a great. They're example. not like. Pushing the envelope. But they they're were they were at the top of the heap at one point. Sure. They still have brand recognition that they're coasting on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, some other ones. Faber-Castell. This is one. It's a very European brand. And they yeah. sell really well in Europe. But it's just, We I tried. Mean, we've tried. They make a lot of wood pens, which I love. Yeah. The, nice wood pens, The too. craftsmanship is meticulous. Mm-hmm. And I really love what, what they about that? Do. Remember that faceted wood pen that they had? I know. Oh, that one. That one was, was a bit that? weird. That one had a really small grip and so they have some that are I don't like, remember the grip. just not I'll show you they have yeah. some that are just like not that comfortable yeah. to hold but they have some beautiful pens but they just don't really ring the bell for the American market and no. so we just we never really did well with them um, I mentioned Aurora to a degree Monograppa as well there's a lot of like really cool limited editions and stuff that we would love to carry more of them but it's just they're so niche we're, work, we're working you know, on some stuff with Montegrappa though that, that I think could be exciting but they do some amazingly innovative things on yeah. some of their limited editions that it's just like I wish we had more of a market for them because yeah. they would be more obvious to carry it but it's so speculative for us it's hard to justify um, I'll throw that into the mix Auto Hut as well is one that you know this is a newer newer it's not a newer brand but it's one that's trying to come into more awareness I think their new distributorship in the US um, but they are in kind of like the Faber-Castell um, like Really, really nice, but very European. Very yeah. We don't get know, asked German about brand. Them. Yeah, a lot of these brands, we they make really good stuff, but there's just they can all sort of blend together a little yeah. bit, and it hard's it's hard to make something that stands out. Yeah. You know, SU Dupont can fall into that category a little bit too, um, but they make good stuff, so it's like it's a bit of a head scratcher there. Um, another one I have that is sort of on the table for us actually is Scribo. Mm-hmm. So Scriber is kind of like the spiritual successor to uh, Omos. Mm-hmm. A lot of former Omos employees work there. 
Um, they have some of the nibs and nib equipment. I think that they, they use have. There. I think, from what I understand, most of the manufacturing capabilities. Yeah, I mean, Omos got busted up for parts, so it, there is no Omos to be had again. It's not the same. No. It never will be the same as it was. But this is, from what I can understand, the spirit of Omos and more of you know the heart of it ended up with Scribo. Um, but they are not. I mean, that that was another kind of private equity thing that kind of tanked that whole company. Um, so the employees that came out of that, they didn't want that to happen again. So they're all self-funded. So they are crawling their way into growth. So we've actually been talking to them for years, but they want to take it super slow. And, you know, but they've offered some more stuff. Their pens are really good. Um, so that is one that we've got kind of on the radar. So if you have any experience or familiarity with Scribo, let us know, because um, we've been talking about it for a minute. Um, and then I had Tabaldi on here too, as well. So definitely, yeah, lots of brands. There's nothing that like, there's nothing. There's only a couple of brands that it's like, yeah, I wouldn't carry it again, even if people wanted it, just because like, like online quality. Yeah, online they had a lot of stuff. It just like didn't didn't hit the. No, any any any, any brand we've tried two or three times already. <laughs> like, <nah>. What was <laughs> it? We talked fine. about one recently. What was it? The brand that we tried to carry like. Oh no, it wasn't a brand. It was the uh, Pelicano Junior. And oh yeah. Pelicano. yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a brand. It was a model. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely like plenty of pen models that kind of fall into that category. Yeah. But anyway, cool. so yeah. But I mean, hey, I'm all for change and rebirth and second chances. So really, there's nothing like off the table for us per se. You know, if there's demand there and you know we we gel well with what the company's trying to do and who's behind it, then sure, we'll definitely consider it. All right. Drew, All right. Question. Sorry, that wasn't even my question. I just did a bunch of talking. This is from Justine. <laughs> Justine has a question for Brian and Drew and the Pencast. All right. I love the Irresistible Fountain Pen Moments video from a few years ago, and I was wondering what Brian and Drew's favorite irresistible and satisfying moments are. Mm. For me, it's the most... It's the it's the almost magical and beautiful way ink looks when you first laid pen to paper. Mm. The moments before the ink has dried and it is practically gleaming, That's especially good. with a very wet nib. I also love capping my diplomat arrow. It's yes. the best. I'd love to hear Brian and Drew's take. I'm a big fan. Listen every week. Thank you for providing endless entertainment information and fun with the pen cast. Thank you, Justine. Yeah. And yeah, we've got some thoughts on this. We, we like do. writing with fountain pens. I mean, there are many elements that create that like yeah. What do you like, we might Brian? Do, we might have to do a follow-up video on our satisfying pen moments. Oh, I've got a list going. I thought of a whole bunch of this well, as, as we this, were prompted th here. Th this is a little self-serving because I, like, we did need to come up with a list for a follow-up to that oh. video. So It's not really self-serving. I mean, we still came up with the list. We just did it under We're pressure. just doing it for Justine. There you go. All right. So I have some. Capping a Diplomat Arrow. Definitely on Definitely. There. Uh, and a Lamy 2000. Mm -hmm. I love the way Lamy 2000, and you get that little click right oh, yeah. at the end there. That's very satisfying. And posting a Lamy 2000, too. Not bad. Um, kind of along those lines, anything that posts where it has those like pressure bars. So the Pilot E95S, Traveler's Pen, where it's not like a firm click or anything, but it's just like that sliding Slide. and like slowly grabbing and just sliding right on. That feels so oh, good. Yeah. So I really like those. Um, okay, this one is. Very specific. Um, I love vacuum filling pens because they're just cool. But filling a vacuum filler when you're using a pen filler or a traveling inkwell and you can flip it upside down and you can fill it like that and it just like pff, blasts and just fills the whole pen So up. good. 
that is very satisfying, especially if you have a shimmering ink in there and it's just, you oh, get yeah. to see the swirls and everything. Like, yeah. Um, dipping a dirty pen into a clear cup of water and then like pushing the ink out of it to get it started cleaning where the ink just kind of like shoots out of the pen and like swirl or swirls around in that clear water. Yeah. Oh, I mean, literally the, the windows that we have around our office have ink and water that looks just like that. That's not on accident. That is a very satisfying thing. Um, you would think that I love doing that. So I would clean my pens more, but it doesn't motivate me enough. Um, polishing a tarnished pen, especially like a silver or a copper. So it's got a heavy patina on it. It just doesn't look very lustrous. And then you take that polishing cloth to it and it just beams. That is very satisfying to me. I'll often like, if I have a pen that has, you know, sterling silver trim, or if even it's like a, I have a couple of pens that are st- like all sterling and they just, they just naturally patina over time with oxidation. I'll clean like part of the pen fully and then leave it like not, not for long, but like just as I'm cleaning it, just for my own satisfaction, I'll have like a perfectly polished part of the pen with the like grimy other part of the pen just to see the difference. I love doing that. That's why I, I love like power washing and stuff like that is because you get to see that like very stark line of like not clean and clean, you know? I'm the same way. I, my son makes his shoes look absolutely horrible on a regular basis. So they bother me. Uh-huh. So I'm like, let me, let me scrub those scrub up. Them, yeah. And I always scrub one in its entirety, of course, before nice. I'm like, oh, look, oh, I did. I'm, I'm awesome. Look at that. I'm yeah. Like, Archer, look, look, look how ugly your shoe was. Look, look, look. He's just like, I don't, like I don't whatever, care. I don't what care, it? dad. He's like, I clearly don't give a crap. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a kid. I know. I, my shoes are always going to be disgusting. Sisyphus. Yeah. Oh, that's definitely a Sisyphus feeling thing. Um, a freshly greased piston. I think that feels really good. Mm-hmm. So like when a lot of times when I a lot of times when I clean my pens, I let them go. So I'm a little more into like a rehab situation. Yeah. Deep clean. Um, but yeah, if you have a piston that you've been using for a while or maybe you've had to like deep clean it or whatever. And if you fully dis I I'm not afraid to disassemble most pens. But even still, even if it's like a Lamy 2000 or something, you just take a toothpick and put a little bit of grease up on the walls and then you move the piston up and down. So you're not like disassembling, you know, a little bit of a hack there, but that feeling of like that piston where it's just like, like no friction at all. I'm like, yeah, Um, I love that. Um, This one's kind of vague, but just holding a perfectly fitting, perfectly balanced pen in the hand. And it's going to be different for everybody. But, you know, I had that feeling when I was gushing about like the Pilot Custom Urushi just like the weight of it, the size of it. It just like, it just feels so perfect. I'm like, ah, yeah, nah, I want it. Anyway. I felt that. <laughs> That's very satisfying. Um, a deep blue ink going down on the page. And as it dries, I can see that like red sheen starting to form because you can't necessarily see it when it goes down, but as it starts to dry, that sheen is left on the paper. You get that with Organic Studio Nitrogen, it will sheen on like anything. Diamine Blue Velvet does that too. There's a bunch of different blue inks that have that like red sheen. And there's other colors that have sheen too, but I especially love blue. Um, Watching the shading pop as an ink dries. So like Diamine Marine, Robert Oster Blue Water Ice, these like heavy shading inks. And this is gonna happen with a lot of different colors. But just like you put it down and it's kind of wet, but then you like, you know, if there's like a pools up at one part of a letter or you cross over and you can see that's a little darker. And then as it dries, that shading just really like solidifies. Very satisfying. Um, tweaking a nib or some other part of the pen that's just a little bit off 
and then just like nailing it. Yeah. So that's a little more specific if you're not into like fixing, you know, things, but you know, or if even if it's like you have a clip that like just gets a little bit bent out of the way and you like bend it back and you just like perfect and you're just like, oh, it's like so, so satisfying. Yeah. Um, This one is kind of weird too. So like having a bottle of really shimmery ink and not like shaking it hard, but just like swirling it back and forth a little bit and then seeing that, or you can do this in a pen too, but it's even more dramatic in a full bottle. Seeing that swirl just like going around. That's very satisfying to me. Uh, writing with a flex nib and having it actually look decent. This is rare for me, but when you're like, you have a vision in your mind of what nice handwriting should look like and you can sort of do it and you're like, wow, that looks amazing. Feels very good. Um, writing with pretty much any stub nib. I really enjoy that. Just that line variation, the instant kind of like, I didn't really do anything different, but my handwriting looks better. Um, and then having a really dried up ink and a pen thinking that it's going to be hard to clean, but then it just cleans up immediately as if it was any other ink and that you hadn't waited three months too long to clean your pen. That's, I would like to experience that more, but it does happen. There are some inks that like, no matter how long it's left in the pen, it still just cleans right out. That's amazing. It's very satisfying when that happens. I'm pining for that one quite often because I wait too long to clean all my pens. Yeah, I don't wait too long, <laughs> but I do relish easy just to clean easy pens. Clean, like yeah. a... Like you, you flush it out once, yeah. Then you do it again. You're like, I feel like I'm done. I know. Like it's oh, amazing. That's excellent. Yeah, that's so excellent. Right. Um, I want to mention the arrow again, not the capping though, because okay. every now and then this doesn't happen with all of the diplomat arrows, but every mm. now and then, I'll probably say three out of five times, you'll get one where you can unthread the barrel from the grip, and you can just spin your fingers and it, everything will thread onto itself just mm. via momentum you can just yeah. s- twirl it on because it's got so much spin like, it off it's got so much heft on it's the back that, of that it's, pen. And, and it's machined yeah. you know so so well and I, lo- I will just sit there and spin it on spin it off and when you spin it on it goes you know and just and hits the end like oh my yeah. god and then when you spin it off it goes all the way off and then kind of like just like rattles on the end of the grip without falling completely off. Mm. And oh, especially if a converter installed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, that's, that's so fun. good. That's pretty I fun. love that a lot. Uh, lining up designs. When a pen has a mm. design on the cap and the barrel uh, that lines up perfectly without a ton of effort, mm. that just, that's really nice. Cause you, I just, I love seeing that intentionality, that attention to detail that. Yeah. Made, that's cool. You know, or like when the clip aligns perfectly with the nib. Yeah, and you alignment it. in general. Yeah. yeah, it makes me happy, especially when you don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. When it just does it. Yeah, like if it's got a multi-start thread and you have to like figure out which one it is, I'm like, I'm glad they did that because at least I my OCD gets you know satisfied. But yeah. I'd rather not. I'd rather come on, like just 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 make it work. <laughs> um, and when I put a pen into a pen sleeve or pen case, mm-hmm. not the elastic ones, but the ones with like a full enclosure. And the clip just glides right onto mm. the the pocket. It doesn't, like, you know, get hung up. Yeah, or... no hung up. I don't have to like lift the clip and then do it when yeah. it when it just goes on. Like mm. I want it to, you know, I want it to clip. I don't want it to be just a complete, you know. And the elastics, like just that perfect level of tightness, yeah. where you don't feel like you're forcing exactly. it in, but it also doesn't I feel love floppy. That. It's that perfect balance. I hate it when it's floppy in there and it feels like only the clip is keeping it yeah. contained and you're like, good. Yeah, I hate I that. About this. Yeah. yeah, so I love that perfect balance. And as we mentioned earlier, a deep post. When I post a cap and it goes like halfway down the barrel, <laughs> um, I will say the, the uh, 
I think about the Edison Ascent for this a lot, but honestly, I have a Gravitas pen that does this really well. Oh, also, okay. like he does a really good job making uh, his pens have a deep post. Mm. I don't even know if he knows. I don't know if he actually sells the Sentry anymore, but mm. um, or the Entry. I don't know. I don't know the names, but uh, yeah, I have one of those and it does it magnificently. So a deep post, love a deep post. Mm. Um, because I like to post my pens, but I don't like them hanging off the back. Like it needs to go mm. significantly onto the pen. Yeah. Because like, you're totally altering the pen experience when you just like it just sticks right on the on the back. Like that's not this is not the same pen anymore. This yeah. is not what I like it to throw, write with. It changes the weight completely. Yeah, and, come yeah. on now, don't do that mm-hmm. to me. Like a Homo sapiens <clears throat> is pretty terrible for that. Ludicrous. <laughs> it's so long. Absolutely ludicrous. It's real heavy. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite fiddle pens is you know a Retro Fifty One. I I'm mm. playing with this constantly in here. But when you turn the kind of knurled knob here at the end. It's you have a standard resistance, but then right at the end, there's like a little pop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, where, oh yeah, yeah. I oh, exactly it's, what you're talking about. I yeah. love that, and that—that's what I'm playing with. I, yeah. I, when I'm twisting it, it's not I, really like an audible pop. It's no, more of a feeling. It's a feeling, but you you twist it, it and kind of like and it has requires like a little bit of resistance, and then it just lets go. Yes, right at the end. I love that. That that's yeah. what makes these pens so fittable for me. Yeah, um, is that cool. is that extra little bit of resistance and that final little snap on? That's cool. Um, so I love that, and. Um, any little bit of writing symmetry. I am notoriously hmm. poor at writing in cursive and having my words, my letters look the same. Hmm. I will have, if I have two M's next to each other, they'll look different. If I have two T's or two L's, if I have a G and then a couple spaces and then a Y, those will be different lengths. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm really bad about that too. So when I accidentally make something look good, oh, I just love it. <laughs> it. Makes me so happy. It makes me think of like, you know, what I could be, the man I could be, Brian, and it yeah. makes me sad that I probably will never be him. I'm happy but, to just uh, get the right number of humps in my M's. Yeah. Like when I write the word community. Yeah. Goodness knows what letters are going to end up in that. Yeah. I like writing on the last page of a notebook when you reach the last page and it's just one single sheet on cardboard. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's not like I like writing on cardboard more than paper. <laughs> it's a very different feeling. Yeah. It is, but it's kind of fun. It's mm. like a fun little bonus challenge. And, but I will say I like writing on a hard surface better than a soft surface. When you have a, hmm. a brand new notebook and you've got a ton of paper there, like it can, it feels hmm. a little bit, you know, different. And I, I, I like the cardboardiness. It's just, it's fun. And it also kind of tells you like hey you did some writing buddy yeah it's like a big it's like yeah. a like a punctu- finish a, punctuation finish a notebook mm-hmm. yeah that's cool and then i think something we all like is when we you know are cleaning a pen or inking up a pen and we get some ink on a note on a paper towel and it gives us a fun surprising halo effect mm. and you're like oh i'm writing with a brown and then you just dab it on a paper towel and all of a sudden it's green pink and yellow oh, you're like true. what the heck happened that's a really good one and it makes me sad that i don't actually have inks that do that mm. so um, yeah. You know what else I'll say too, kind of as we're, we're, we're talking and then we can close this question out. Um, honestly, unboxing a pen. Like we do that a lot around here, obviously, because we have to look at new pens all the time. But even just this morning, we got in that White Rabbit mm. Emperor. That was an experience. And like we were in our like marketing stand-up meeting and we're like, as Drew was opening it up, we were like, let's let's take a look at it before we photograph it. We were all just like captivated as he was unboxing this thing. And just that feeling of like, what no matter what pen it is, even if it's not fancy packaging, but just that feeling of like, especially if you've been looking at it online or whatever, but then you see it like in three dimensions for the first time. Yeah. 
I still get a thrill with that even today. As many pens as I have and as many pens as we see all the time, that's still like a really exciting moment for me. And I'm like, okay, I'm probably in the right job. Absolutely. Getting to get excited about it when, <laughs> after this many. When I first uh, scripted out and bulleted the shot list for the first Irresistible Fountain Pen Moments video, I had on there to unbox a Colorverse ink mm. because that's an experience. You know, yeah. it's it's taped, so you have to cut the thing. You have to open it up. Yeah. There's some stickers on top. There's a little divider. There's a napkin. And there's just a whole lot that goes into it. And then there's the bottle. Usually, you know, it often shimmers. Like, there's a whole yeah. unpackaging aspect. So I wanted to try to capture that, but I couldn't figure out a way to, like, say, oh, look, this is satisfying. Because it's not as visual. Yeah, it's It's just the experience of doing it. So I might try to see if I can get some sort of unboxing moment mm. in the next video, but I just don't know how to capture that. I feel like you so. almost need your commentary to explain like why it's so Oh, satisfying. I would just be like, oh my God, oh, look at this. Oh, this is so oh. cool. Look at a napkin. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's entertaining in its own right. Yeah. I did do that on one of them, the uh, Colorverse Season 7 video. I yeah. nerded out about that. It's pretty fun. All right. I Question. still remember your Visconti pillow when you discovered uh, that, that pillow. That just knocked my socks off, man. That that pillow surprised <laughs> me. Even now when I see that pillow, I get a chuckle. See, that's what I like about the unboxing experience is like, especially because we don't, re- packaging can change. So we don't really photograph or pack- like show the packaging a lot, unless it's like a limited edition, we're sure that it, what it's going to be. So honestly, like that is, that is kind of a mysterious element to a lot of the pens that we, you might get from us. So anyway, all right. Another question, Justin P646 says, can y'all go over some of your favorite private reserve inks? Y'all are the best. I don't know why I said it like that. Yeah, we can. And I think the Y was capitalized. So I felt like it was more formal. (laughs) I appreciate this question um, for two reasons. Mm -hmm. A, I like to talk about private reserve. They've got a lot of good inks. And B, we need to talk more about private reserve, Brian, because I looked at what we sold. Yeah. We have shockingly few private reserve inks because we've discontinued a bunch. So now it falls into that like thing of yeah. the demand. Is, More people need to like this brand. Much, yeah. Now, I will say, Fair not enough. a huge fan of the gigantic bowl that the inks come in, <laughs> but the inks themselves are solid inks and they've They're got really some really ink, good yeah. ones. And I yeah. found that some of my favorites are gone from our site, Brian, and it made me sad. Well, you didn't buy enough of it, I, Apparently, it's my fault. So anyway, of the ones that we do currently sell, A, has to be Spearmint. It's my favorite green of any ink that we have. Love it. Spearmint. It's a solid green, It's just a kick-in-your-teeth green, and I love it. Just a punchy, loud, fun, like, you know, frolicking-in-the-field green. It just makes me happy. Um, It's not the most natural green in the world, but it is like bright rainforest frog green, and (laughs) I'm into it. Here for it. Now, second to that, avocado Arguably, you, you mentioned that last time, I think, uh, that avocado is a better green. It's a more unique green, So, but it's less... It's better. It's, it's, just, less, you know, it's less punchy, but it's such different. a good green. Yeah. Avocado's a like great it. green. I had that on my list, too. Um, all of the ebony inks, ebony purple, ebony blue, ebony green, love those inks. Yeah, they might have know. ebony brown as well. Um, those inks are all great, especially if you wanted an understated ink that still had a little bit of fun injected into it. Those inks are all tremendous and a lot of fun to use. And 
even though they might look black at first, like, no, I'm writing with purple, actually. And it's yeah. a lot of fun. Those are great I, for, like, a work safe. Yeah, too. I love those inks. like, if you're not looking too hard, you can be like, oh, yeah, yeah if it's you, just ink. And no like, one you, cares what you write with. But if you don't want anybody mentioning, oh, what you got there is a purple ink. Like, no, go go with, uh, yeah, apparently you work, you work with, with Goofy. With, work with, yeah. <laughs> with if you work in a cartoon character land. Yeah. But if you wanted to just kind of be, be subtly fun, um, you go with uh, the ebony inks. And I cannot say often enough, but the Infinity inks, the Private Reserve Infinity inks, I don't think I talk about them enough, but those actually do what they claim to do. If you have a pen and it caps poorly or it dries out for any reason, they're pricier, but get a Private Reserve Infinity ink and put it in there. It will be better. I, one day when we got these in, because they say like, oh yeah, you don't need to hardly cap your pen at all. All day, I put it. I put an infinity ink in my Monteverde, uh, the the um, the the narrow one. The uh, oh golly, the little one that it's carbon fiber. Usually, we have the blue skies one. What is that thing? The Innova. The Innova. Yeah. I have an Innova. It caps poorly. It dries out on me. It was and I don't use it, but I love the pen. So I inked it up with this. Sat it on my desk all day. I wrote with it once every 30 minutes for the whole day. It never hard started on me. Not even capped at all. No, not capped. Just sitting out. Yeah. Didn't cap it all day long. So for a whole work day, wrote with it once every half hour, wrote a couple lines and then put it down for another half hour. And this pen, even with- Most pens you're lucky to get like a minute. Yeah. And and this pen especially, this was one of my problematic pens. So I'm like, this this is a- Noticeable difference. Yeah. yeah, Like this is a, this ink is not a gimmick. It does Mm. the stuff it should do. So- It should be more popular. So anyway. Does it act different on the page? Like, does it take longer no. to dry or anything like uh, that? Or is it feather more or something? I don't think so. Not that I could recall. No. Nothing Nothing worth note. I mean... I haven't actually inked up any of these Infinity Inks no, for myself. They're great. They're great. Um, <laughs> definitely check them out. Get a sample or something. Come on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just wanted to mention, they don't have them here. We don't have them in here anymore. But I liked Shoreline Gold. I thought that was a nice sepia. Nice yeah. it, it leaned orange, but uh, I thought it was a lot of fun to write with. And surprisingly, I got a package of Naples blue cartridges and I've been using those for like two two years now. Yeah, I love that color now. Yeah. And I thought we still sold that ink, but we don't. So yeah, Naples blue and uh, Shoreline gold are not available anymore from us. So vote with your dollar somewhere else. You know why people aren't buying Shoreline gold? It's probably because they're all buying buttered popcorn, Drew. Ooh. Yeah, do buy buttered popcorn. (laughs) All right. Um, yeah, I agree on avocado. Um, DC Super Show Blue for me has always been my favorite because it's the all of their blues are excellent. American Blue is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Electric DC is great. Electric DC is good. Mm. That one's like a blue with a red sheen. Lake Placid is great. Lake Placid, yeah. I don't know great. if we have that anymore, but I don't think so. I don't, think, I don't think we have American Blue either. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's no. Slowly pared them down. <gasps> They're all so similar to Super Show Blue, and that was the standout. So all right. pared it back a little bit. Right. Uh, and then Tanzanite. It's not as deep of a purple as ebony purple, um, but I kind of like that. It's more of like a violet purple, but it's still pretty dark. So I like that one. I like I like dark purples. I don't know. It's yeah, a group. me too. Yeah. Cool. Um, I did get a message from Rachel here. Oh, what she did she say? First just says, LOL. And then she says, 15. Oh, <laughs> I got some secret hammers she doesn't know about. <laughs> well, then she said, I it's have It's going to no remain idea. a secret because she doesn't watch the pencast. But then she said, I have no idea. 20, 10, 50? <laughs> 
50, <laughs> so, yeah. It's probably closer to 50. Yeah, but she, yeah. her first kiss was 15, but she apparently has no idea. Yeah. Secret hammers. She doesn't. I keep them in the sheds <laughs> that she... I, I don't know that she has ever set foot in our shed. And I spend a lot of time in there. <laughs> Is that the nice shed with the floor? I mean, she hasn't gone in the other shed for probably a decade. The, the smaller one that's older that we used to store like the boxes back yeah. in the day for the Goulet Pen Company. I remember but, climbing up in that thing. Oh, yeah. But yeah, the big shed that has all my like lawnmower and tree climbing gear and stuff like that, that's... She has... I don't think she's ever set foot in that shed. Unless she's like trying to hide Christmas presents for the kids or something. I don't know why you should... She'll find other places. Yeah. She, she ain't going in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not temperature controlled. There's bugs. It's dirty. There's tools oh, everywhere. Man kind of a hazardous place to be honestly there's like sharp metal objects throughout the whole place yikes but it's safe for me i know where everything is so <laughs> all right lots of hammers everywhere you know anyway all right we've got the fifth Last and one. final question from okay. it's me Lori, and Lori says brian and drew you are a source of relaxation for many mm. of us do you watch other pen content to unwind yourselves or are you all penned out because mm. this is your work? Mm. Would you rather listen to two hours of podcasting about power tools and corgis than listen to someone talk about pens and stationery? Do they have two hour podcasts about corgis? I'm betting they probably do somewhere. I don't know. I listen to corgis enough. <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like that a little bit about pens. I mean, I will, I will watch some pen content you know, kind of with a, with a bit of a purpose, but it's definitely not for me, at least it's not really a relaxing activity because it's what I do all day mm -hmm. and we're creating pen content too. So whatever form that I might be consuming that content, I can't really turn off that content creator brain either. So whether it's pen related to whatever's being talked about, or it's like production related or like marketing related, like I will also be thinking about that too. So it's not relaxing because it is engaging my brain in my work activities, listening to any of that type of content. So it's not that I don't want to watch any of that type of content, but it's, it feels like more work um, when I do that. But I will, I will watch, you know, here and there what other people do. And if there's something interesting that I see is, you know, if it's like a whatever review that comes out on a pen that we haven't carried yet. And I want to see what it's all about. Or I see that, you know, a particular influencer has an update on something in their life. I'll watch that just because I'm interested in them. Um, but for me, most of my downtime is listening to podcasts about woodworking and, you know, whatever my hobby du jour is, I will watch a lot of content around that because I, I learn a lot that way. Um, uh, but also just I'm really into like, science and history and technology. So I have a lot of that type of stuff that I just listen to on a regular basis. I try to keep tabs on what's going on in AI and cybersecurity and, you know, legal things as well. I mean, it may not seem like downtime necessarily, but, you know. You also work in your that. spare time. Like manual yeah, labor I is really don't, fun for you. It is. You maniac. Yeah, I'm really, I'm kind of always on. And not because I feel like I have to, because that's just my natural state. You have no chill. I have no chill. <laughs> when I chill, I'm doing things. <laughs> no, it's just how I work. But yeah, home repair, science and technology, history, chess, puzzle solving, whatever project I'm working on, I'll listen to that type of stuff. I'm, I'm listening to a lot of content every day, all over the place. A lot of YouTube. So I have YouTube premium, no ads, fit more, cram more stuff in my brain as it happens. But yeah. 
Yeah, I'm I'm the opposite. Uh, yeah, you don't listen to like. No, I don't. You don't even really listen to music. Or no, I don't consume or... content because <laughs> I, I guess our brains, while wired very similarly, are also wired very differently. Yeah. In in that I, my brain is moving at such a frenetic pace all day long. Mm. I need to like have a type of stimulus that kind of blankets everything with a white noise. Mm -hmm. Like it's almost like when I sit down and relax, like truly relax at the end of the day, alone playing video games in the dark, it's like putting myself in a sensory deprivation tank. I need, I need, I need some input. Like my fingers are, my fingers are moving. My eyes are moving. My brain is moving, Mm -hmm. but it's moving at a, at a reduced level. So I can't do nothing because that freaks me out. But I feel like my brain is moving nonstop all day long, and that's mm-hmm. exhausting. Mm-hmm. So I need that. That's my chill time. Like I need to yeah. be. I need to be put in mm-hmm. some sort of like a sleep mode where I'm still running, but you know I'm still on, but not not that's, operating any sort of actual task. That's like, probably where like more of your introverted nature is coming out. Yeah. You're like chilling recharging see i'm more an i'm more of an extrovert so you're li- you're living with the trees you're like hey buddies well i like I who's like... dying today yeah but i might do that <laughs> but i'm engaging my brain in different activities yeah so to me it doesn't feel like the same work mm-hmm. it's almost like well i've got like i don't know i know this isn't how brains work but it's like well, i got this part of my brain i've been working all day thinking about pens yeah but now i'm going out into the woods like as soon as i step outside and i start doing lawn mowing or taking a tree down or something like that Three minutes later, I'm not thinking about work at all. But I'm you in my also own world somewhere else. When you're doing things, you also listen to things. Like you listen to podcasts. And music. I never do that because I cannot compartmentalize. I am a. I have 100% a one track brain. If I am like, unless I'm driving, that that's mm. that right level of doing okay. doing things sure. and listening to things. That's the only time I listen to anything, music or podcasts, only while driving. I never ever ever listen to music or podcasts in really? my home or at work i do all ever i can't do it because i'm i'm 100 focused all on that time when my wife says a word to me starts talking to me if i'm listening or focusing on something else i don't hear the first four words that she says right i have to mentally shut it's that like down shift yeah, yeah and then process and i'm like huh what she's like i there was nothing, there was no other sounds. I'm like, yeah, no, but I was thinking of that other thing. Oh, yeah. So I didn't hear what you said. Definitely. So for me, if I'm cooking and I'm listening to something, I have no idea what ingredients I'm making because my my brain is oh, now wow. 100% okay. on that music. And uh, yeah, no, I can't do it. Um, Interesting. So, but anyway, as far as content goes, <laughs> I will, I do love podcasts and um, mm-hmm. I do love music. I don't listen to a ton of it, but I am passionate about mm. it. Um, I like to listen to pen podcasts. I do, um, which goes mm-hmm. to show, like, if I can still be interested. I think you listen to more than I do. Yeah, well, for me, it's less about like having more work stuff because it is exhausting. You know, uh, I like to listen to. There's a podcast called The Stationary Cafe with my friends April and Kelly, and they talk about like a lot of it. I was honestly like, they just like you know talk about random crap, which I like because they're my friends. Um, but you also, know what that's like. <laughs> yeah, I like that. They just like, talk about what, right what, what they did, but then they also pepper in some stuff, but they also focus more on the stationary side of things, which yeah. is different than what we do here. Yeah, they yeah. talk about stuff that, yeah, they talk about stuff a little bit more tangential. Yeah. So like, I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting because I don't have that perspective. So yeah. they, they, they provide insight. Um, Tokyo Inklings is a podcast that isn't as frequently, uh, added as it once was, but that was another one that offered unique insight into yeah how, you know, the Japanese pen market went. And 
those were different enough that I feel like it's not just more work talk. Yeah. Um, and also I know them all and it is kind of like, you know, you know, parasocially hanging out with friends. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. It, and you know, I'll pop on other ones as well. Like I'll jump into Pen Addict every now and then, listen to Brad, you know, and he talks about rollerballs and pencils from time to time. So it's a bit out there. Yeah. But most of the time I find myself like, wait, what is that pencil? What I don't know anything about these rollerballs. Yeah. And I just get confused and I'm trying to picture something, but I'm picturing it in my head. And all of a sudden he's said something completely different. I'm like, wait, where are you now? And <laughs> yeah. So that's a problem. But, uh, yeah. and then if, you know, if I miss Aziza, I'll pop into the gourmet pens, pot, you know, podcast and listen yeah. to her a little bit. But, um, yeah, so I, I, de- I do not, I won't say I listen to one every week, maybe one every two weeks, okay. but I'd never miss my MMA podcast. I listen to that once a week, mm. rain or shine, no matter what. And then I've been kind of getting a dose of history with the uh, Behind the Bastards podcast, which is a podcast about listening to like just terrible people throughout history. Mm. Some of it's really depressing when it gets into like cult leaders and stuff like that. But also some of it's like, I didn't know a lot about this dictator. Let me learn about this and just feel less ignorant. So that has been a COVID thing for me. I don't know why. It's like we're going through this like treacherous period as a society. And I was like, let me learn about like stuff I didn't know about World War Two and yeah. like Mussolini and all these things. Exactly, yeah. And I, you know, I'm like, well, it's history. It's already happened. So like, it's just learning. It's just learning things that already happened is going to broaden my horizons. But yeah. Like, I don't know. I find that also to be very interesting and perspective building too. Like right. whatever problems I think I'm having, you know, it's not that bad when I compare it to some of the same, atrocious same. things yeah, that I just go on listened, in the world. I just finished one on Rodrigo Duterte, former president of the Philippines. I moved on to yeah. Henry Kissinger, whom I knew a little bit about, but not yeah. a lot. I, was, I, like, I knew enough to know I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. And so it's been educational. So I do appreciate that. And I do love history. So, yeah, you know, it, I'm I don't, you on that one. I'm not like fascinated by just learning about bad people, but it's framed in a way that it kind of, you know, you know, it's arbitrary guardrails. Like, hey, sure. this is the category of history history people were focusing on yeah um cool. i still can't find a good retro game podcast though um yeah no they're all annoying like everyone mm. i listen to i'm like oh, i can't stand your voice or like you're an idiot and it's just really see that's where i do youtube and that's why i do honestly that's mostly why i subscribe to youtube premium is because you can turn off the you can you can exit out of the app and still have it play in the background so there's a lot of youtube content that i just listen to oh that's what i'm talking about so, podcasts yeah but I'm not even talking about as a podcast. Like it's a YouTube video, mm-hmm. but I'm just listening to it. Yeah. So yeah. while I'm washing dishes or if I'm moving around a lot and I can't like watch, I'll just have that audio in and just listen to it. And, yeah. Like, cue things up and watch later. I think some people are probably doing like that. that with us right now. I would hope so. I hope you're not <laughs> sitting down and devoting like two plus hours to this every week. Just looking at us. Please get something more productive done. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's it for Q&A. Let's pause for oh. one quick moment oh, and pausing. let everybody know that uh, since we were talking about how Brian and I love Private Reserve Avocado. Oh, is that going to be our Ink of the Week? It now? is. Hey, I just that? decided that. I didn't write it down anywhere. Awesome. I just popped cool. it in my brain. Do we have enough stock of it? It's a pretty popular ink. Maybe if, we should if check that. <laughs> I can, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that uh, Crystal um, samples it up. But uh, okay. yeah, if you wanted to um, check out with anything in your cart this week, um, you can go ahead and write avocado in the coupon bar um, a-v-o-c-a-d-o in all caps you do have to add the ink sample to your cart so that mm. you can get a free ink sample of private reserve avocado and go. this will be active from the 13th to the 20th of october 2023 there you go yeah a so decent stock enjoy that you should give crystal heads up yeah cool all right um if you have any 
more questions for us for future pencasts, please drop it down in the comments. Or if you're an audio listener, email us at pencast at gulepens.com. And then our next segment here, rather than having a spotlight on a pen, we have a spotlight on a human, specifically a human named Glenn, who is our lead photographer. Um, Drew is able to sit down with Glenn and some other people that are going to be on future episodes. So everybody that's been like, we want to meet more people. It's happening. We're doing it. So uh, without further ado, here's Drew sitting down with Glenn. Hello, everybody. My name is Drew. That's Glenn. Hello. And Glenn is joining us so that he can talk about Glenn because you're an expert, right? Uh some say. <laughs> All right. I think it's good to be an expert in, in Glenn, 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 Glenotomy. Glenn. Uh... I feel like I'm in the hot seat. No, good. no, no. That's not hot yet. <laughs> Brian wasn't sitting there today, so it's not, it's not going to be that hot. All right. Good. Now you sit in it after Brian, then it's going to be a hot seat. <laughs> it's going to be a very hot seat. Two hours, Brian sitting in there. Whoo. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, Glenn, what is your job here at the Goulet Pen Company? I am the lead photographer here at Goulet Pen Company. Yes, you are. And you've been here for... Almost five? Four. Wait, four? Uh, yeah, this will be four, right? That's it? Or is it five? I don't know. It feels like you've been here like for a long time. I think it's four. I can't try. Yeah, I can't tell because the pandemic years like I, yeah, just totally COVID, screwed me up. Yeah, it turned me upside down. So, <laughs> I mean, even um, when I think how long I've been in Virginia, that's already like a thing. Like I, I don't know. know. We're going to talk about that later. Glenn, 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 Glenn's a refugee. <laughs> um uh, from, you know, the uh, Independent Union of Texas. Uh, so before Goulet, taking yes. pictures of fountain pens and paper and ink, yes. what were you taking pictures of? Uh, I was, the last projects I was working on was for Craftsman and Craftsman Tools. Oh, really? And um, uh, this is, and then the competition with um, Home Depot. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> So were you, that was in Texas? Yes. And was that in Well, it was in Texas, but we were shooting on location in Miami, or not in Miami, but in Florida. They sent you to Florida to take pictures of tools? Well, because we were doing uh, uh, landscaping stuff, and it was in the winter, and we needed some sort of green to look like a representation of summer and spring. And you can't really get that in Texas. Everything's brown in the winter (laughs) in Texas, especially in the Dallas area. So, yeah, so we took a whole video crew and film crew. Did they do, like, snowblowers and stuff? No, we were shooting lawns, like, summertime, like lawnmowers. Why would you do snowblowers in in Florida? What am I thinking? cutting tree branches and and stuff like that. Wow. So that's, like, action shots. Yeah, it was action shots. Because they were – so they were filming – uh, some of it was video promotions and I was shooting the stills for the video. Oh, so gotcha. I was shooting, And then I was also shooting the stills for the website images as well. So you were shooting still images of someone like using a power tool to cut into a tree. Yeah, actually working. So stuff flinging everywhere. And... Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not like on top of them, but I mean, yeah. I'm, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> huh. So is that like, would that end up being like with a bunch of blurry crap flying off of the That was the trying to catch oh. capture that was part of the did you want it blurry did you want it like super no i want crisp? the i want the model and the tool sharp and i want things yeah. just blowing around them like huh. it's like an action shot yeah that's cool yeah was it was that fun or it sounds hot oh it was it was hot and fun but i guess if you're coming from dallas it's just it's just you're it's used to hot just, it's just human hot yeah it's just a different flavor of just hot a different hot. <laughs> oh, God. yeah it's no hot. thank you yeah um do you have a favorite fountain pen, Glenn? Are you a user of fountain pens? Because some some people here are and some people aren't. Usually our customer um, care people are mostly fountain pen people. But other than that, it's kind of 
a spattering. I I have been adapting myself to be more of a fountain pen person. Yeah. I had I never touched one before working here. Same. Um, so my pens here that I use on a regular basis are the Safari, my Mango. Oh, right. And, I have um, seen that. And the and I have a diplomat arrow that don't you have another safari? You just have the one safari? No, I got two. Is one, it a cream? One, uh no, no that's what, not mine. What's your other safari? Uh Mango and I've I've seen you with another one, I thought. No, no, no. That the other one's a Twisby. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. And I occasionally eat that one up. Right. Not as much. But then you have a you have like a big deal fountain pen too. Yeah, I, I bought a holy grail pen yeah, you did. very early in here without realizing until I got the reaction from other people like you bought that. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I bought that. Did that are you are you good now? Do you think that uh you're no 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 more pens in that price range? Oh no more pens no. in that price range. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean I'm, I love that pen. It's to me it's a, it's like a piece of art. Do you want to say I've what it is? N- Sure, it's the Tasio Winter's Breath. It was the special limited edition that we sold. I can't remember how many there were. Uh, oh, there wasn't many. 20, I yeah, think. I think I have number 12. I, it's a stunning pen. Yeah. Like, that is absolutely a grail pen. Yeah, Do you ever write with that one? I've never put ink in it. You haven't? <laughs> no. What? <laughs> no, no. I look at it and it's like it's art. I don't want it is. I don't want to put ink in. It. <laughs> oh my gosh. So no. That and is I've hilarious. heard from several like Brian K especially, like, why haven't you inked up this pen? <laughs> it's like you have this like amazing nim, and I'm like, I know, but it's just I just like to look at it. I don't want to like That is I don't amazing. Wanna, I don't want to do anything to it. I don't want to damage it. <laughs> is that that that's not that doesn't have that's not the exact one you photographed, is it? Yes. It is? I you intentionally <gasps> asked Rachel. I said, I want to, I just finished photographing. I'm, I just fell in love with the pen. I'm like, Rachel, can I want to buy this pen. That is amazing. Because I want to buy the pen that I oh, photographed. I was hoping, I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> yeah. That is, a, that is awesome. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I also purchased the very first pen I photographed here. Did you really? Yes. What was that? Um, a Herbert. Uh, uh, yeah. Chet Herbert something. Um, I don't remember the, the names of them either. It's uh, it's a place here in Richmond. Yeah, and, I don't remember, but I don't remember what it's named. Cool, but that's kind of like keeping the first dollar your business makes. Yeah, I, I, yeah. like that was like such a thing. I'm like, okay, and it was a beautiful pen yeah, too. Yeah. So I was like, I'm gonna buy this one. So I, that was my. That is so, really cool. Yeah, that um, is awesome. Um, what is your oldest hobby, Glenn? Something that you know you did way back when that you're still doing still collecting or still using or buying or something Um, you're still into i never really i got i mean i collect cameras but i don't i'm like not actively collecting cameras now because i have a collection of cameras i don't have no place to put any additional cameras i am impressed by the restraint (laughs) so that is that is you have in our our industry you don't see that a whole lot no not really (laughs) not from what i've observed (laughs) not in the offices here no Um, no we're all bad uh, but uh yeah i started the first camera i got i was like nine or ten years old my dad gave me a polaroid camera that i didn't know was broken but i was just like oh this is so cool I still have that camera. <laughs> My and first then, camera was one of those like long skinny ones that took the 110 film. Oh yeah. With the yeah. Yeah. My mom got me one of those. I loved it. It was great. Those are cool. Yeah. My mom had one of those also. Yeah, those are fun. And then uh after that, my mom got me a keychain camera. It was like a it was like a square, like a cube that you folded something out on and you could stick the film canister like onto the side of it. 
and it was it, it sucked. It was terrible. <laughs> but it was supposed to be like a really portable tiny camera. I'll have to find an image on the internet machine and show you. Oh, wow. You. Okay. But yeah, I don't yeah, know that It was one. weird. It sucked. And then I've got some really old, old Kodaks from like the 1800s. I've 1800s? Got, really? Yeah. I've got oh, two wow. Really, really old. Yeah. Dang. That is old. Have a... you used them? Oh, no. Could you? If I could get film for them, I guess I could. Oh, yeah. wow. When was the last time you developed your own film? <laughs> Um, High school? Oh no 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 no! It was film was still a thing when I graduated from college. But but you didn't like dip it and stuff, did you? Did you go to like a dark room and stuff? Yeah yeah oh yeah. Yeah, When I was after I graduated, I was interning with other photographers, and and then I was like an assistant. And so part of being a photographer's assistant is you do the lab work. I mean, color film, no, you take to the lab and do the work. The black and white film. No, we have canisters for processing yeah. chemical and all that. And then one photographer I worked with who was real picky had his own darkroom, so I had to print the all the negatives and all that kind of stuff. A four by five film. Gosh, don't anybody you, knows no, what four by five film is? And large um, format cameras. I don't, but uh, I would say that your current employers are not so picky. To what I've experienced in the past. No, no, I'm talking about like Brian and Rachel are not as bad as that. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> No, no, working here is amazing. It's, yeah. It's, 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 they think everything you do is great. Oh, They're like, man. oh, my God, Clint, that's the best thing I've ever seen. Oh, my God, Clint, that's the best thing I've ever seen. I have, we have had the opportunity to travel to a pen show together. Yes. I got the opportunity to be in your car, which is a gorgeous, lovely, pristine, immaculate car. Normally, somebody who keeps a car that nice has a car hobby. One would say. I just wanted to ask you, like, do you consider yourself to be a car hobbyist or a car guy? Like, is that a thing, or do you, or are you just a very clean person? Because you also know a lot about your car. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. I am. Yes, I am a car. You're guy. okay. It's official. I, I have to officially show you. <laughs> oh, I have there we my go. <laughs> Speed Racer T-shirt, is which is what initially, as a kid, got me involved in cars. Really? Yeah. This was the first car I saw. Oh my, oh Shannon, my gosh, Shannon, this car has stilts on the bottom and oh, it, it can, can do jump everything. and then oh, it yeah. has blades on the front that can chop trees down. Oh and, my uh, gosh, my wife loves Speed Racer. <laughs> she she used to um, dress up her sister. Her She's seven years older than her sister. She dressed up like her baby sister as um, the dad, I think. Oh, Pops? Because <laughs> <laughs> they had like a stuffed monkey or something like that. Yeah, they had Chim Chim and Yeah, um, so title. she would dress them up as <laughs> It was something something borderline abusive. I don't know, but um, no, loves it. It's a solid show. Yeah. 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 Did you see the live action movie? I did. I don't think that it was bad. The kids it was okay. Yeah, yeah it was, it was right. fun to look at, like yeah. the lights and everything. Like yeah. I haven't seen it since it was new, so I, don't I know haven't if it holds either. Up. I only saw it in the theater with my kids. Yeah, I kind of yeah. want to see it again though. Um, but yeah, and um, but yeah, I, I would. I've been to. I love car shows. Um, have you been to a car show in Virginia? I have not. Really? You need to go to a car show. Yeah. That's a that's a, a missing piece of the Glen sandwich. Yeah. You don't I mean, have I you don't have a car show shaped hole in your heart that you need to fill? Oh yeah, I do. All right, well we're, we're gonna find one for you. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna okay. get we're gonna Google. Yeah, it. I mean I love car shows and whoop, I keep bumping the mic. Oh, um and then um like I've well, I mean you've been in my car, so I mean I've done some customizations to my car. It's a nice I've car. Got it. Uh, you know, I changed out the exhaust system. Were you at Dunkin' Do- Dunkin Donuts this morning? You weren't? Okay, I thought I saw your car there. I was like, Glenn's not normally a Dunkin', a Dunkin guy, but I thought I saw your car there. All right, yeah. no. 
not quite. Well, very cool. And then this is a <clears throat> close representation of Jay Leno's. <laughs> you know what it is? Shirt that he I wears on all of his that. You're right. That's totally I did a Leno this shirt just for you. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. I'm very happy with that. And you just happen to have that. That's amazing. Were you like Jay Leno for Halloween or something like that? No, 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 no. This is not a Jay Leno. You could I, be. I just, Halloween's coming up. I'm working on it. All right, Glenn is the reigning champion of our Halloween costume contest. He did an amazing Edward Scissorhands last year that got him a very nice trophy. High quality, <laughs> solid gold pumpkin pumpkin man <laughs> trophy. <laughs> Fantastic. So, what is your what would be your dream car if you could have um, any car? Well, the car I had, I hope to at some point in my life have would be a Porsche 911 or a Cayman. I, I, I work with that one as well. But the 911 is really what Black? I want. No. No? No. Oh, okay. Make a real pretty, they make a real pretty blue one. That, that's nice. Like. So and then there's, you, a, there's a newer, be, the charcoal gray. That one's like a new 911? Well, no, I can't afford a new one. Okay, I was about to say, I, I don't even know what new 911s look like. When I when I picture them, I just the, always one of, the, one of the classy things about the 911 is it's hardly changed. Oh, okay, all right, that makes sense because I'm always I always think the one I'm picturing is like the one from like the late 80s, early 90s. But I guess if they haven't well, changed, well, the big fishtail in the back, yeah, that, yeah, they don't make that one. Anymore. All right, that's what I always think of. Yeah. Okay, still rad car, but that yeah, I mean, I wouldn't turn it down. But. <laughs> I bet that yeah. is cool. Um, so, do you have a? I mean, shooting pens can vary in its level of excitement. Some more than others, for sure. Um, I know that some are like highly reflective and difficult. Is there a type of pen that either you enjoy shooting or one that you're like, oh, good, I, I look forward to this because it's either going to be easy or predictable? Is there a product that kind of you get it, you're, you get really excited to see come across um, your table? I'm always excited whenever we get the Namikis. Or the Tasias. Yeah. Those two, because I know there's just so much craftsmanship and art that went into them. Like, I I want to capture those details as best as I that can. That is interesting because with but those. But they are definitely more challenging to photograph because of the work that's in them and interesting. not trying to see, you know, reflections of me. So with those, you don't. You don't stage as much with those because you traditionally like to make the pens the more pen, focused. The, to me, the pen is the hero. The pen right. is what needs the, like the, the, the atmosphere around it is just to enhance the lighting or the edges or, you know, it's just to create an atmosphere. But if you're dealing with something like a sailor or a Lamy Safari or something like that, then you do a lot more with the background. Yeah, to, to kind yeah. Because like uh, they'll try to make it more like a lifestyle kind of look yeah. or a, 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 you know, just an environmental where it's more being interacted with right so you so you get more excited about capturing pen details than you do about staging no because i like that too oh okay um, just different flavors it's just yeah i mean that's it's one of the things that actually makes working here so fun is just there's such a variety of so we have such a variety of inks and pens and then each one has its own unique style or look so there's always i'm always challenging myself to try to figure out okay what can i do to make this pen not look like the pen that I shot two days ago that looks like the pen that I shot like three weeks ago. So there's always that. Um, like one of the things about that is, so going back to like themes and stuff. So when we, you know, your pirate pen. So, yes. So when like setting up that shot, like. This looked, am- your I, shot for this looked like, amazing. I really wanted that to look like a little, you know, bar set up scene looking. so good. The and then I, 
and on occasions I'll do this, I'll throw in a little prop or something as like a cookie to see if anyone picks up on it and the map. Nobody picked up on the map. It was it was one-eyed Willie's treasure from the Goonies. Exactly. Oh my god, I got so excited when you mentioned that to me. Dang. So yeah, and then you can go um, back and look at it, see if you can tell. Um, yeah, and then Is we there... just did the fall the fall theme photo shoot. I was really happy with how that one turned out with the pens and the colors. And so working with Rachel, we come up with a color palette, and then she'll t- decide what the products are going to be and the inks, colors, and all that. And then I get to go prop shopping and styling and art directing and put it all together make a shot so it's kind of fun final question for you about props yes is there a a prop that you really love to use or b or both a prop that you really want to use but just haven't been able to find a use for it um i think i've used every prop really here almost oh that's like an achievement yeah there's a couple things i haven't used because just they just haven't fit the theme of what right. I got going on. Um, I don't really have a specific favorite. No. Um, Do you have a go-to that you like use so much you've had to make yourself stop using it because you thought you were overdoing it? Yes. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> what was that? Yes. Um, I got into a little kick for a while there where I was always wanting to show clear glass oh yeah with the pens because it just it always makes the pens kind of stand out a little bit more but so then you, it's, had, you had to give yourself a break i'm like i did it for like three or four pens within a period of like two weeks i'm like okay that's going to be like all over this stuff i gotta like back off of that so like one of the things i'm usually wanting to do is like when i shoot so if i shoot a pen and i've done the whole setup and i have some another pen that's a different brand different everything about it the next thing i do is like okay I, my mindset is I got to completely do something the opposite of what I just did and then try to figure out how to make that into something that's going to work that's, for that pen. That's hard to do. There are only so many ways you can position a pen. It's, yeah. But you do it's a great a job in making stick. it mix up. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I use these images a lot in promotion and they all do look different. It's shocking, you know, yeah. really surprising sometimes that you're able to do that over, you know, years. Um, uh, I, I can't help but think that you know, you've seen Iron Chef, right? Or like the, uh, no, not Iron Chef. Maybe it is Iron Chef. One of those cooking shows where they have a mystery ingredient that they have to um, cook with if they don't know what the ingredient's going to oh, be. Oh, I've heard, I haven't seen that, yeah, but they, I've heard of they, this. They reveal they it like, oh, it's Miller Lite beer. You have to make it like, oh. They're, <laughs> so you got these like really fancy chefs having to yeah. deal with like, okay, I need to put Miller Lite in my, you know, my steak tartare somehow. Yeah. But like, I wonder like how funny it would be to just give you a really random, ridiculous prop and say, like, you have to incorporate this into a photo shoot at some point this week. I mean, we already have it. some pretty ridiculous props you would never imagine using with a, That's true. a pen or you, an ink. But You do surprise me. I'll, I'll use it as more of an element where you don't see the whole thing, so you don't actually know what it is you're looking at. Yeah. But you'll see a shape or a color, and it'll hopefully tie in with the image. Yeah, like, you've, you've used, like, just, like, piece of a desk like yes. just <laughs> just a random like <laughs> yes it's like the, the the pencil tray portion insert from a desk drawer you like flip and turn and that's i like, just used the caps from a jar the other day <laughs> and I, the and lids i, the I look lids from a jar <laughs> i look at you i look at your layout i'm like what kind of crap is that and then i look at the preview on the camera i'm like oh my god that's amazing <laughs> it's it's a talent it's a talent 
All right. Well, that is fantastic. That's that's going to probably wrap it up. But uh, I appreciate you stopping by, and I'm sure they do too. Thank you. Pulling back the curtain of Glenn a little bit. Yeah. But uh, he's the guy that does most of the photos. Um, and then uh, he's also the guy, every time we're in a pencast, right out there having to listen to us yap yeah, for I two hours. Yeah, I get to hear every pencast <laughs> every week. I don't see I'm anything. I'm so sorry. I just hear it. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. So I know the pen cast before anybody knows the pen cast. <laughs> awesome. Thank yeah. you, Glenn. All righty. Well, thank you, Glenn, for sitting down with me and talking about all of the random stuff. And uh, yeah, for the next couple of weeks, unless we want to interrupt it and talk about a pen real bad, uh, we will have more guests from the Goulet Pen Company from other departments, uh, such as the warehouse, the inventory team, the receiving team, customer care, you name it, you will meet a good chunk of people. And uh, maybe one day I'll uh, get to interview some of the owners. We'll see. I don't know if anybody cares about them. Oh, they're pretty important and busy and uh, tough to get hold of, you know. It's not they're like also you. tough to get an answer out of sometimes when you give them hypotheticals. Yeah, but, Rachel's, uh, Rachel can be pretty stubborn. Whoa! <laughs> I'm just kidding. She won't hear that because she doesn't watch this. <laughs> anyway, all right, moving along. Uh, well, what's happening? The point where we really don't have any guardrails on our conversation. Drew, what's happening? Um, well, uh, it was mine and my wife's 15th wedding anniversary <gasps> last week. Happy yeah. anniversary. Thank you. Did you get a cake uh, with candles and sing happy anniversary to each no, other? No, we didn't. Is that what? what you and Rachel do? I thought that's what everybody did. Sounds so like something you and Rachel would do. No, we don't like, do anything. <laughs> oh, you're just so, every, so, so eager to celebrate things and have parties and yeah, no. events and... What did we hit? I don't even know what we did. We did something for our 10th anniversary. We, I'm trying to think of what we did for any of the other You probably just went to Texas Roadhouse. Well, it always... <laughs> we've done that, sure. We, it always falls right around the DC Penn Show. Oh, yeah. Because uh, our anniversary is August 12th. It used to be yeah. that it was always the weekend of the pen show. Now I think it's the weekend before. Yeah. So we would be like visiting her family and going to the pen show. Yay. And that was like not always the most celebratory thing. So we yeah. just, that's why we sort of didn't really have a habit of doing that. Um, now it's just COVID life and we're just tired all the time. So we don't yeah. do as much. I don't know what we did last year. <laughs> we might have gone out. But this time we were like, eh, let's not worry about getting a sitter. Archer's cool. He's fine. You know, we don't need to go to some fancy schmancy place. We actually considered him because he mm. has been wanting fondue. So we're did like, you take you know, him with you? Yeah. Oh, I was cool. like, we haven't, been to, we haven't been to fondue in a while. We've been to Melting Pot once and didn't like it because, uh. I mean, it was okay. It was pricey for what it was. And I don't, I don't know yeah. if you've ever been there and had the, like the actual meat portion. Like oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. You my just, sister used to work there. Actually, you boil meat. Yes. I'm like, that's not. Like how I'm you... cooking my own food. Well, also, yeah, you're cooking your own food. It takes forever. It does and take a while. who boils steak? Like that's not the way to cook steak. Like that's not ever the best way to cook any meat is by boiling it. Yeah. That's not a thing. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I paying extra to A, cook it, and cook it in a way that is the least good way to cook meat? See, I usually get the chicken because it's better. It's better, we but, the chicken. but yeah. we discovered that you can also now ask for a cast iron grill. And oh, they will bring a cast iron grill. They set it down. They let it heat up to the proper temperature. They come and check it with a little laser thermometer. And they're like, okay, cool. Go ahead and start cooking now. 
And I'm like, cool. oh, this okay, is so cool. much better. Honestly, you can go just for cheese and chocolate. Right. We that's were gonna, the best. We were going to do that. Yeah. But then we also, we, we went there thinking that maybe we would do that because Archer, you know, he doesn't eat and hardly anything. Right. But then we're like, hey, can we like share? And they're like, yeah, you can totally share. I don't, I don't care. We're like, oh, well, that saves some bucks. Great. Yeah. So we did that. We That's just, fun. you know, so Archer just, you know, we all just shared, you know, save some money. Man, and I'm in there forever. That, yeah. would, that would be special. That would be something yeah, that and, we Yeah, and would he do. had a blast. He's like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. And we're like, I don't know, is it done? And he was flipping his little shrimp. And that stuff. is an experience. And, yeah. Bad. So it was yeah. it was a fun event. And we were just kind of being silly and goofy and, uh, you know, playing with our food and uh, asked Archer to take some pictures of us. So she came over, she was sitting with Archer. She came over to my booth and we were like trying to smile and be cute. And he is so bad at taking pictures, just terrible. Really? And so he was just laughing and being goofy. So we're like, all right, well let's be stupid and goofy and make faces too. We're just like, Oh, you mean like him being in pictures or was he No, he was trying to take a picture. picture. Oh, Oh, he's bad at both. He's bad at both. (laughs) He's bad at, you know, taking pictures and having and being in picture. So anyway, we did that though. It was fun for everybody. And, you know, we've just got the one kid, so it's not like a production to bring him everywhere. He's, he's chill. Well, he's either chill or bouncing off the walls. He was chill that day. So it was all good. Um, Saturday, we got up early and took the dog, two of the, two of the three dogs to, um, the groomers for baths, nail trims and the uh, whole winter fermenting that Hank desperately needed. Cause he's just a Ball of hair. Fermenating? A, fer- a, a fermenator is a, a specific brush that kind of brushes out the undercoat of mm. dogs that have an undercoat. So, like, there are some dogs that you actually need to have, like, get haircuts. They have, like, hair. Right. Dogs like corgis have a coarse overcoat that's really wiry and then a very fluffy undercoat. Okay. So, you don't ever need to cut their hair, but that means they shed constantly. Right. So, yay. You know, you save some money, but, like, Hank is a fuzzy boy and, yeah. you know, uh, he just you you brush out like an, a dog's worth of <laughs> hair when you get him. So um, uh, you can do it. You, we can do it ourselves, but you know it's all kind of inclusive thing. So we got that done. They were cool about that. Uh, brought them home. Went out for breakfast. Uh, it was a solid breakfast. We went out to eggs up, eggs up grill, and I got their um, mm. biscuits and gravy, which is nice because they give you a sausage biscuit sandwich that you then dip into the gravy, Ooh. which is yeah, totally my jam. Awesome. Yeah, I'm into that very much. So. Um, and then, uh, let's see what else we do. Oh, here we go, Brian. Guess what I did that day? No idea. I play video games. You'll never guess. I'll never guess. Because my porch is now lit. You fixed your porch lights? I finally installed some porch lights. How long has it been? A year and a half? It's been a year. It's over a year. Over a year? Over a year of having no porch lights. Okay. Yep. Hey, you said you wanted to do it before winter. I did. it got dark. I did. I said I wanted to do it before the time change. There you go. I did it. Yep. So, oh yeah, time change. I got him. I got him hooked up. I had Archer with his watch talking to me from the breaker box. No, no, I gave him the the tester. Um, I was like, all right, here, grab this, put it on the black wire. Yeah. Um, and let me know. So he's talking to me. I'm flipping breakers in the back. I'm like, what about that? No. What about that? No. What about that? No. Flipped all of them except for my furnace and my water heater. Nothing. So like. Never got it to shut off. So I have no idea what breaker box shut it off. So I ended up just having to wire it with the switch off, which is fine. I got no... Like the whole house? No, 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 no. The, just the light switch that operates oh. the front. Something like, there was oh, no power. Fine. It's fine. You know, yeah. I try to do the breaker when possible. Um, yeah. That's the safe, safe way. But, you know, I got, I still got no tone. So, you know, I was, yeah. I was good. But still, I thought that was super weird. So it must be wired into two, uh, maybe. I don't know. The second light that I... Does it uh, work now? Yeah, yeah. Like it turns on? 
yeah interesting yeah it's good because sometimes without we talked about this at first when you first ran into this mm -hmm. issue sometimes it can be connected to like a gfci outlet that's what like i thought at first the bathroom or the kitchen or something like that yeah. no that's what i thought at first but huh. no it was just the fixtures that were destroyed from the power washing so no no electrical issues um is it possible that archer maybe didn't touch it to the right part of the wire and maybe didn't get the no no actually every time every time he was um I could hear him through my phone because the little beepy was loud. I could hear it through his watch because his watch is like oh, a speakerphone. Like, oh, okay. It beeps so, live? Yeah. So it was, huh. I, I, could, I could hear the beeps every time. So, yeah. So Phantom electricity here. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, that got done. We've got lights. It's there. there was supposed, it's, it's a motion sensor and dusk dawn thing, but the motion sensor part doesn't really work. I feel like it, every outdoor light I've ever bought the motion sensor, it just has a mind of its own. It really, it's like, it's supposed to be dim unless it's motion activated and then it just goes full brightness. It's full brightness all the time. Work. No. It's full brightness all the time. No prayer. So, whatever. That thing's going to have a mind. I was thinking about own. getting some smart bulbs so I can like do like Halloween or holiday colors, maybe. I don't know. Hmm. But anyway, that That's got cool. done. Happy it got done. Nice. We Good are for done. You. We did end up also getting, you know, because, you know, white suburbia, I needed an inflatable Halloween decoration, you know, just went all in on that. So we did. Uh, Didn't they come with a house? Like I thought. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we finally got an inflatable ghost pirate to put in there and a couple little like light up pumpkins on steaks. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, because um, we, we went to Lowe's to get something. Oh, I needed some Plasti Dip for the next day's project, which was Look at sealing. You. sealing uh, Before you know it, you'll be buying hammers, Drew. I do not need any more hammers. You um, always need more hammers, Drew. That ball peen is going to break, but yeah, one day. Um, <laughs> That's the worst hammer you could have. I know. As a general purpose it's hammer. It's terrible. And it shakes. Oh, um, my gosh. <laughs> I, I, know, I know a guy who might have a few, <laughs> a few dozen hammers. You could borrow. I still need to caulk around the uh, light fixtures because I was going to wait because I'm like, I don't know. Is these going to work? So I still need to run some clear um, caulk yeah, around them. But yeah. other than that, we're good. Uh, but yeah, I bought some Plasti Dip to seal Archer's Halloween armor because it's oh. foam. So you can't just spray paint on there. Okay. You need to coat it in the Plasti Dip to get it a nice non-permeable surface. Okay. So then I can spray paint. So those are all coated. You and can a buy nice... Plasti Dip spray. Too. I did. Yeah. That's oh, that's what, what you did. bought? Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay, bought cool. the spray. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I, have a very, that I have a very high-tech PVC pipe with a clamp duct tape to it that I stick in a dead stump in the middle of my yard. Ooh. And then clip the armor to that and psh, Hey, whatever works. Yep, very high tech. Um, so that got done. We'll, ready, we'll be ready to paint, and uh, I'm confident that I'll have it done by Halloween. So that's exciting. Nice. And then my grandmother had her 87th birthday, so we went over there to celebrate wow. that. So uh, Mimi still taking care of business. Did you take her to uh, Melting Pot? No, we didn't. Boil some we steak didn't. for her. Oh, no, make she, it nice and soft. Mimi, Mimi deserves better than boiled steak. <laughs> um, no, my mom made just a crap ton of vegetable soup because she's like, I want soup. We're like, okay. So my mom made vegetable cool. soup. Cool. All right. Uh, Soup's cool. So we did that and then had dinner with friends um, Sunday night. Uh, our friend Josh made um, a lot of Italian stuff, including a very much better version of Olive Garden's Zuppa Toscana soup Ooh, okay. with like fresh kale. You know, we had the fresh sausage there. Like, oh, it was so good. Hmm. I, 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 he, he, he's a very good cook and uh, I eat way too much when I go over there. So I would. It took me like two days to recover from how much I ate. <laughs> nice. It was fantastic. He even, uh. he even bought specific mozzarella to melt over the um, linguine that he made. He made like baked linguine on 
it just it melted like restaurant mozzarella does. Like it was, it still stayed stringy even after it dried. Like mm. it was, oh my god! I love baked pasta. I know, but like whenever I've done it at home, I've used crappy cheese, so it doesn't doesn't like you can melt it, but then it totally solidifies and becomes just a blanket of yeah, sadness, like a hard shell that you yeah. like, try to but take he, a bite. He specifically the found the good stuff. You know, bought a block of it. Mm. Mm. So mm. good. So mm. yeah. Solid weekend. Making me hungry, Solid man. weekend, yeah. But this weekend we've got a wedding to go to, and uh, I think we might have some other stuff. It's going to wow, be a busy wedding. I can't remember the last wedding I went to. Oh, it's been a long time for me. This one, yeah? this one, uh, Renaissance garb is optional. Oh, you, t- you talked about this one a while ago. Yeah, so we're going Are to that. Are you going to dress weekend. up? I'm not. If I could have doubled it up with a Halloween costume, I might have bought mm. some stuff. But our Halloween party is requiring a different set of costumes. So now we're mm. going to go and just be lame. But uh, they are going to have breakfast food, apparently. So <gasps> I'm into that. That is awesome. Yeah. Man, Rachel, I mean, you know, because you've been married 15 years. Rachel and I got married in 2006, so whatever that math is. How long is that? 17, 18 years? 17. Something like that. I should know this. I just, I just, I got married in 2008 and celebrated my 15th. Okay, yeah, so, so we're 17. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like back then it was like on the cusp, I'm sure you feel this way too, on the cusp of like things changing for weddings. Yeah. You know? It's pre-Instagram. Like we had to specifically shop for a photographer who did digital and not film. Ah. And we had to pay extra to get like, digital copies of our pictures and not just an album with like film negatives. Right. So, you know, and I know there's a lot of you viewing this who are older and have way more intense stories than that to talk about, but still that's where we're at. But now it's like, it's all different and things are in a lot of ways, a lot more chill yeah. and flexible. And I'm like, yeah, oh, man, like I would have done things differently. Oh, absolutely. So much differently now. So much less formal, like yeah. smaller, Heck, I might not have even have had one. I might have just gone to the courthouse and get it done, man. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, I don't hang out with anybody that was at a wedding. You and Rachel are like the only people that I <laughs> yeah. still see that were at the wedding. Yeah. Like a bunch of former coworkers, high school people. Yeah. Like, you know. But, you know, life changes. So. Yeah. But yeah. like, I'm glad I didn't pay for any of their alcohol. So, sorry for that. <laughs> there you go. Could have afforded it anyway. Oh, good stuff. What did you get going on, Brian? Um, I had a few things. Nothing crazy. We did get our updated like flu and COVID shots. So that was fun. I've been trying to schedule them. It has not been easy. It's not been easy. We had to schedule them at two different places because Ellie's under 12 for like a month. So apparently they're, they're like not stocking yeah both of them at a lot of places so we had to schedule like me joseph and rachel got it done on friday night and then we had to get ellie's done on saturday morning at a totally different place yeah so it was fine you know we knew from having getting previous shots that i was going to be mostly fine rachel was going to be pretty laid out and that happened that pretty much happened so she she specifically scheduled on a friday night so that we would get it and then be able to recover and have a kind of a lazy weekend. And that's exactly what ended up happening. So that good? was good planning on her part. Um, I did a little bit of yard work because it's like the weather was pretty freaking beautiful. This it was. Weekend. When it, I was painting outside, like it was absolutely perfect weather for that. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. It's like it's still staying late enough. Like it's getting dark around seven. But then as soon as the time change happens, we like, oh, that's going to go away. So I'm enjoying this. There's hardly any bugs anymore. I know. We're getting some rain, so nothing's dry and dusty. I'm like, this is, I really love fall. I really do. I think I love fall more than spring. I go back and forth a little bit. 
but I really enjoy it starting to get a little colder and I'm like, oh, I think I can throw on some jeans and not like sweat through them, you know? And I can like, when I work outside, I can wear long sleeves and not be sweating like crazy because I need to cover myself anyway. So yeah, it's just really enjoyable. I love fall. Um, so doing a little bit of yard work, doing a little bit of um, some projects. I'm replacing some like boards on my back, little landing and stuff like that mm. and getting Joseph to help me out with more of it because he's been motivated because he's been saving up to get a steam deck. Oh yeah. And uh, I made a deal with him cause it was like, all right, if it's something like a switch, you know, whatever, we're going to play that as a whole family. So that will be like a family thing. Okay. We're fine getting that. Yeah. But a steam deck is like, all right, that's going to be a Joseph. This only is a, thing. it's a very nerdy thing. It's, it's going to, the account management on that's going to be totally different. It's basically like buying a PC yeah. and it's like going to be a whole different thing. Rachel and Ellie are not into that at all. And the games that we're going to play on it are going to be like, you know, building random robots and destroying other robots and that kind of stuff. So it's like, yeah, this is going to be more of a me and Joseph thing. So it's like, all right, I'll go in on it with him. So we're, can you play so that with him? It. Um, certain games. So like you on another device? Um, certain ones can be multiplayer. Like you can hook it up to a TV and you can use multiple controllers oh, and cool. stuff on certain games. Um, but then some of them are like co-op or multiplayer online and stuff like that. But, you know, so like theoretically I could be on a computer and play, you know, all that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm learning how this works. It's definitely not like getting a Nintendo or an Xbox or something. It's no. much more complicated, but it's also like, well, just 13. He's into coding and all that kind of stuff. It's like, all right, buddy. It's like, if you know what you're signing up for here, it's going to require a little more management and just, it's a little more burden of like managing that, that device as opposed to just like a out of the box gaming system, yeah. you know, cause I was telling, you know, it's like explaining, he watches a lot of videos and stuff. He kind of, you know, does that like me. So everything he's interested in, he's like looking at, and he's got a friend who, you know, has some steam games and stuff like that, that he really likes. So We've got a short list of some games, but he's had his eye on it for probably six months now, and he's been saving up for it and mowing the lawn and helping me work outside and all that with that in mind. So I was like, all right, he's he's got his eyes on the prize. And he finally reached his goal this past week. So we ordered a Steam Deck. That is awesome. And it's on the way. Yep. Oh my God, I bet he's so, just super stoked. He's really excited. He's like, oh, let's go get it. And I was like looking around. I was like, I've like researched some of it, but I'm not, I'm not like deep into it you know what i mean um so i was like okay let me see if i can like find you know do they have them in stores or anything no you can't get them you can get like a refurb one from gamestop maybe but none of our local stores had them in stock you had to get it online or whatever so it's like to get a new one you have to buy it through steam through mm -hmm. valve um and yeah so that's what we did we just ordered it so it says it takes one to two weeks to get here so it's like uh okay buddy mm. well you earned it but you yeah. gotta wait and he's like okay he's pretty patient though he's not driving me crazy about you know it. what a fun game that you could both play would be Portal 2. Okay. Um that's a Valve heard game. Of that, yeah. Um it's such a fun two player game because it's okay. problem solving, puzzly, but okay. really basic too. Gotcha. Okay. But it just it's uh yeah, that'd be a fun He loves game. like the Zelda Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom, that kind of stuff. So he's he's yeah. into This is this is like no story at all. It's just okay. like a co op sort of problem solving puzzle game okay you know, with one level after another but uh, he's got he's got a couple of games that he's like really been wanting to basically get this thing for yeah it's uh, like one of them is called trail makers so you basically build different types of like vehicles and stuff like that but you know sort of like if you have if you ever played bad piggies 
you know, like the Angry Birds bed parties. Oh, oh, yeah. Where you get to like piece together vehicles. Yeah, and stuff like that. I remember it's, that. It's like a souped up version of that. Oh. So you get to build all these crazy vehicles and drive them around and destroy them and stuff Do they not like have, that. Do they not have that on Switch? They don't. Oh, wow. No, it's a PC only. Oh. And then uh, another one's called Instruments of Destruction. So you basically build different, mentioned this. different like large equipment to try to destroy buildings. Yeah. In, like a, in the most effective and destructive way yeah possible. you've mentioned this here and before. i was like that sounds awesome yeah. i want to play that game <laughs> so i think he and i'll have some fun like bonding moments uh of playing that but yeah it's just like you know had to go up and set up my valve account and do the two-factor authentication and all you know so i'm like going through all this and i was like oh this is another thing to manage in my life but it's like oh, okay it's for my son he'll love I have it a, i have a steam account with some games <laughs> on there but my computer can't do it anymore oh really it's like it's got one foot in the grave yeah oh. it's sad yeah yeah oh <laughs> got a little bug in here keeping us company um yeah so that's that's the big news so i don't know when we'll get it but when we do i'm sure i'm going to hear a lot about it from joseph because he is the kind who he doesn't really, I mean, it's always a bonus if you participate in the conversation with him. But honestly, if he can just talk at you about whatever game thing that he's into, he's, he's cool with that. You just need to check that in with needs. some eye contact every now and then. Yeah. Every 16th word. A general acknowledgement. Yeah. <laughs> just don't leave the room and he'll pretty much be okay. He's, he's, he's pretty low. It's pretty low, uh, low management, low, what's it called? Low Low maintenance. Low maintenance. Yeah. There you go. I was like, <laughs> what the heck is that word? Low maintenance. Yeah, he's a low maintenance kid. But anyway. All right. That's it for our, what is this? What's happening? Got a couple of quick updates. I swear I know how to talk today. A couple of company updates and then we'll wrap up. All right, folks. I am going to be Audi 5000 next week. <gasps> I got some stuff going on. But you know what? We're going to keep the pencast train rolling you're still gonna get drew sorry but adrian's gonna be here it's filling my shoes so filling my seat i guess i'll take my shoes with me um Good call. anyway so she'll be here she's subbed in before she's great y'all are enjoy her so regular pencast like normal and then the week after that drew wants to bail and i'm like he offered, he was like, well, you could like sit down with Adrian. And I was like, I don't feel like doing all the stuff that you do behind the scenes to make the Pencast happen. So I think we'll just take the week off. Yeah, so it's been a while. It really, We really haven't taken a break in a, quite some time, right? It's We so, haven't taken a break since, you know, uh, I think. Because remember, we were thinking like, well, we will. Early this year, episode, episode 100 will be at the um, DC show if nothing changes. Right. And I think we might have skipped like. 98 or 97 or something like that i don't know but it's been, uh, been, it's been over months it's been months. over 10 episodes yeah so yeah. anyway we'll take a break but you'll still get us next week um and then got another video out this week um some of my i don't remember what we're actually titling this thing weirdest pens funkiest funky pens. funkiest is on the thumbnail basically it's funky we, i looked at all the pens in my collection and said what are some really odd pens that i really don't get a lot of screen time because they're not like pens we sell or, you know, some of them we reference a little bit on the pencast. So y'all loyal folks will see a couple on there. You'll be like, Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. There's, oh, there's some recognizable ones on there, but there's some ones you've probably never seen before. So it's fun. I got 10 pens on there that are just really wacky and interesting and weird. So the rotring might make an appearance. I can neither confirm oh, or deny. Okay. But You'll have to check yeah, it that out. one's on there. Of course it's going to be on there. <laughs> that one's on there, but um, you know, a bunch of other cool ones. So we'll have that one out. 
And uh, yeah, we can wrap this thing up. And I got a fun fact about hammers. So stay tuned. Oh boy. All right, I want to thank you all for watching. Please leave us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Ask us questions so that we can do more shows. Uh, check out GoulayPens.com, our self-sponsored host, whatever sponsor. Yeah, sponsored they, sponsor. spon- they sponsor this pencast. That's right. We sponsor this pencast. <laughs> um, fountain pen, ink, paper, you know you know the deal. Um, and Toothbrushes. My feed fa- brushes. Feed brushes. Fountain Easy. pen, Settle inks, down paper, feed brushes. Not for teeth. Those are what we sell. Random fun fact is about specifically the largest hammer that's ever been made. Oh my goodness. I was curious about that. Is it that. attached to a shark's head? No. 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 But it is part of the Pearson Building Center, a locally owned and operated home improvement center in Eureka, California. That's where the home of the world's largest hammer is. The hammer is a replica of a Vaughn Claw Hammer, number D020, and stands 26 feet tall. 30 feet overall if you include the concrete foundation. The octagon-shaped handle is made of real solid wood and is reinforced with a metal I-beam. The hammer's head was fabricated from 18-gauge brushed stainless steel and measures 10 feet, 3 inches in length. All dimensions of the replica replica are in exact proportion to the original Vaughn hammer. So it's part of their, like, store sign. So they've got, like, a sign kind of built into it. Oh, okay. Huge... 26 foot tall hammer oh my God. with a sign in it, but it's like real wood and solid metal steel. head. No, it says, it says 18 gauge stainless steel. So it's like a, a metal shell. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So it'd be a pretty, pretty fragile hammer. I once saw a video real use, but I once saw a video on the Instagrams or somewhere where someone actually made a giant hammer that was on a hinge that they could like actually lower and smash things with it. Oh, yeah, And then yeah. they'd, they'd raise it back up into its starting position. Okay, yeah. It was maybe not 26 feet, but it was a it was a big hammer. And that one did have a solid head. Like it yeah. was like, they were like destroying things with it. That sounds like, fun. That'd be cool to have. I want to build that. Yeah, yeah, just crush things. Yeah, sounds awesome. You and Joseph could do that. Like, Joseph, let's like, sure build a giant hammer on a hinge in the, in the in the yard. Yeah. See if Rachel asks what we're doing. Rachel will think I've lost my mind. If she hasn't... More than normal. Oh, more than normal. Okay, well. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, yeah, you can look it up. They have their own Wikipedia page. Big old hammer. It was mounted on their business in 1991, so... Should we try to do the largest fountain pen on the front of our building? I mean, we got that huge nib. It might be the biggest... I don't know. I don't, I don't actually think it's the biggest nib. There is a record. That was a past uh, fun fact. I don't remember what episode it was. Oh. I talked about the largest fountain pen, I think it was. Oh. It was absurdly large. I think we saw like a really big one. 16 in, feet or something like oh that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my Jesus. It's like functioning fountain pen. Yeah. It's Ooh. crazy. So, I don't know. I don't think we'll do that. But no. We could if we wanted to. Maybe we'll build the largest fountain pen and the largest hammer and smash. Well, we already talked about how easy hammer. it is to have Yovo make <laughs> nibs for you. So, why not? You know, I wonder if they would do a custom nib that's like 25 feet tall. Why not? Let's see if they'll do it. That'd be easy to bring over from Germany, sure. Super easy. No <laughs> anyway. one would ask any questions. There you go. Fun fact. Um, thanks, everybody, for joining us. We really enjoyed this time with you. We did. We will enjoy this time with you in the future. We will. When we publish this. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep it going. We'll see you next week. Thanks for watching and right on.